Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be chatting about the Pokemon Center slash Van Gogh Museum collab disaster. Also, the collab that I don't think anyone saw coming. <laughs> Absolutely out of nowhere there. <laughs> we'll talk about the potential of Pokemon TCG moving to open deck lists for their event. Is it a possibility, Azul? We'll have to talk about it here on this episode. We'll, of course, have everyone's favorite segment of the podcast. Guess that flavor text. And then we're going to wrap up this week by talking about the upcoming Peoria Regional Championships. It is this coming weekend. It's going to be massive. Tons of players there, and a brand new set is legal. So we'll chat about our thoughts on the meta, the different decks that are available in the format, the techs we do or don't like going into this weekend, how popular we think each deck could be at the event. All of that and so much more on this week's episode. And then, of course, we will have our bonus episode exclusive to our supporters over on Patreon. If you want to check out that exclusive bonus episode and also get access to all of our previous week's bonus episodes, you can do that over on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Uncommon Energy Podcast. My name is Chip Ritchie, joined here as always by my friend and co-host Azul GG. What's good, Azul? How we doing, man? How has How's your week been? Been good, dude. I've been having a good week. I've been like keeping up with the the content pretty consistently, and it's like showing. And I really like saw that growth actually. Like the month before Worlds, I think I had my like best month in terms of like you know viewership uh, for on like YouTube and Twitch ever because I was just being consistent with it. That really is yeah. like at the end of the game. That's like the most important thing for content. So anyone out there who's like interested in getting to content. I get asked this all the I mean, like now I'm going on a rant already. <laughs> I get asked this all the time, like, what do I need? Like this and that. What should I get for a mic or this? The only thing I think you need for to start doing content is make sure you have like an okay mic. I think audio is the most important thing. It's like the biggest turnoff to have terrible audio. You obviously want to be able to like like if you're streaming or making YouTube videos, may that be a decent quality, but audio is like the number one thing to make sure it sounds decent. So invest in a like, you know, a sixty dollar mic or something, but then you just have to do it. And you have to keep doing it and then keep improving on your content and like what you want to put out there and what you want to make better. But, um, but yeah, I've been, I've been super consistent with my content. So I'm super happy about that. So then another week of streaming Tuesday to Sunday, take the Mondays off to do chores. And I don't know, we got a lot, of, I got a lot, a lot of laundry to do. I got laundry in right now. I got to do some after we're done recording. Dude, so I don't um, know how you have any laundry because you have like three shirts that you wear consistently. And <laughs> two pair of basketball <laughs> shorts no i have like i have like 10 of them but uh uh yeah so yeah uh yeah just like just like very content with that and just want to keep that going it's gonna be hard going to october though i'm traveling literally every weekend in october so yeah i'm not gonna be as consistent but like i know that going into it, i'm just gonna try and do what i can in the spaces between travel because we've got a lot of tournaments coming up you know peoria this weekend sacramento the next weekend and i got i have TwitchCon the week after and then the week after that is toronto regional so a lot of a lot of traveling, but good week for content overall. That's basically all I did this week was was do that. But what about you, Chip? How was your week? What'd you get done? Week was good. Yeah, uh, nothing like crazy happening over here. Just kind of a normal week. Um, hung out with some family this weekend, which is always fun. Grandparents pretty much trying to find any excuse to come over and see their grandbaby <laughs> to come see Samuel. 
you know, it's kind of funny, you know, they don't live that far away and I didn't get that many visits, but now we've got a, a child, you know, and now the past year is like every weekend. <laughs> hey, what you guys got going on this weekend? Can we uh, maybe pop by for a couple hours? No, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, it's been good. We're getting another room in the house set up to be kind of like a play area for Samuel because he's getting to the point where he's like starting to he's almost walking, getting very close to walking first steps within the next few weeks, probably. So we're trying to upgrade his old play space and like move it to a different part of the house. And so we're ordering tons of stuff for that, you know, baby gates to keep the dog out of the area and all that. So, um, but yeah, it's been good, been good. It feels like a little bit of calm before the storm because like the end of this year is going to be crazy. You know, the month of October specifically, right. <laughs> Traveling pretty much every weekend. Um, uh, you know, international championships you know another regionals in december like there's just a lot going on right in the pokemon world and uh it's going to be kind of non-stop here the last 12 weeks or so of the year yeah i got quite a bit and they also have like the holidays you know weaved right. into that which like thanksgiving christmas all that mm -hmm. thanksgiving and christmas yeah, yeah i mean in, in december and november a little bit more low-key than october oh, october is probably the most going to be the most hectic month for me for travel i think the whole season i mean you probably as well that is like the month. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like it was like up. that last year too. It was like nonstop. So maybe it's just kind of like, maybe we should always keep in our mind, like the fall <laughs> they're going crazy in the Pokemon world. Yeah. I mean, I almost like, and then it was also like the beginning of the, I feel like last like January, February was crazy too. It was like a weekend, oh, a few weeks where it was like Orlando, then OCIC, then Knoxville, like all back to back to back. Right. Yeah, I mean, at least for like me, and I guess you, well, you for the most part, we have like, there's like four, four less major tournaments to go to this year for me. Yeah, three less regionals, no OCIC. I've talked about trying to get to a European regional. Um, I'm thinking about looking and trying to go to one of the ones in Germany would be the plan. But like, I'm gonna attempt to register before I like, that's the hardest part, those. right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> register registering for European events. The hardest part about going to European events is getting into the registration. Um, and might even be harder than the Australian events. I actually don't know the Australian events. They haven't had their first registration open yet. I don't think so. That would first... be hard too. Yeah. Cause they've yeah, got less tournaments, right? Yeah. And the first one's coming up in two months here. So we'd hope that the registration would be opening sometime soon. It's maybe already been announced. Oh, actually, no, no, no. Didn't Brisbane? I think Brisbane opened up already. Actually, I think it did. Yeah. I think it probably sold out instantly. I can go oh, check. I don't I know. Can... I haven't seen anything about that. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Brisbane regional championships. And I, yeah, I checked this the other day. I can't register for it. I did check this the other day. But that might yeah. just be because it's not open. It might, the link might be live on Arcanine, that... but it might not be open for registration yet. That is a possibility. No, but it says go to registration. It doesn't say go to registration. It says you have to wait. Sorry, we're sorry. The tournament has reached maximum capacity for your division masters. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. It, it opened and closed. Dang, we missed me, that. I, I, yeah, I must have not been paying attention, to be honest. But yeah, it looked like it came and went. I didn't, but because we didn't see anything on Twitter, was it, maybe it wasn't as bad as the European events had been. Um, yeah not, maybe it was um, like a few hours and then but like all the main people yeah. who we would have seen complaining about it like got in right so there's i mean i feel to... like it's funny after like ocic was announced that it wasn't happening and all the australian players that i follow on twitter was like well kind of sucks but you know whatever maybe just like they're just like kind of come to terms with their situation <laughs> and that's why we don't see the australian players complain on twitter anymore because they're just like this is expected <laughs> like there's yeah. no point in complaining anymore um this is let fine. <laughs> let me see if I'm gonna see if Mitch tweeted anything. 
Uh, but maybe not. Yeah. He tweeted something at you. Well, yeah, that was a different one, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, you know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it, registration is open. It's closed because it was full. But yeah, I didn't. I don't remember seeing too much on Twitter about. Like, I mean, you you know when European registrations go live because there's a ton of people being like, "Here we go again." Half of us missed, and you know it was gone in three seconds. But yeah. maybe it was a little bit more smooth for the the first Australian event of the year. I guess we'll uh, we'll see. Or if you're if you tried to register, let us know in the comments section for sure. Like, let us know if we missed the whole hubbub. But I don't remember seeing anything yeah. on Twitter. Well, speaking of things that had definitely had hubbub and uh, it was pretty much all we saw. <laughs> it's all my Twitter timeline looked like last week. I'm sure yours was pretty similar as yeah. well. And that was the Pokemon Center slash Van Gogh Museum collab. So first off, before we talk about any of the craziness with what happened uh, later on with this collab and the promo cards and all the products and stuff. Let's talk about just like the existence of this collab, because this is like uh, something I saw. Like, I did not see coming from anywhere. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what are your kind of thoughts? As well? I don't know. I mean, Pokemon, I feel like is getting a little more out there in terms of their collabs as of late, right? Doing more. And I feel like this one is maybe on brand for like, I mean, all the collabs that they do is like safe. I feel like you know pretty safe stuff like nothing's gonna go um nothing too edgy or anything like that so i don't know you can't go well, i guess you can't go wrong with van gogh x pikachu right like well and now like, that i'm thinking about it i'm actually remembering a collab they did a few years ago now these cards never came out in english but they were released in japanese and it was cards based on the um famous uh painting the scream do you remember these as all the like the Pikachu yeah i have and the eevee i have the i think the rowlet the eevee and the psyduck they're getting Dude, these cards are right super now. expensive now i don't know if you've yeah. realized that <laughs> my, mine are getting my yeah no i do yeah they're mine are getting graded right now there should be back sometime next month oh nice yeah um, but yeah so uh, like i guess there's precedent right you know a famous piece of yeah. art from history that they you know, decided to scrub us a little promo Pikachu card. And they did make a promo card of this little Van Gogh Pikachu, the, uh, what, I think what's hat. the name of the card, the Pikachu with the gray hat, something like that. The gray felt felt hat or something. Gray felt hat. Yeah. 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 And they also released a ton of exclusive merchandise, you know, play mats, sleeves, deck boxes, all sorts of things. These are some pictures that the Wasi Ross posted, over on Twitter, the coffee mug, play mat. I mean, really unique and really cool design. I personally love the Snorlax deck box. I 1000% would have bought this deck box and used it. Um, this play mat is super cool. Like, cause uh, it's one of the, you know, uh, double deck boxes as well. And those are the ones like I really like. Yeah. So um, yeah, really cool, really unique items. And these items were going to be available for sale at the Van Gogh Museum, which is in Amsterdam. And then also they were going to be for sale on the Pokemon Center website. And then also, I think on the Van Gogh Museum store website as well, these items would be available. Um, but if you bought these items from the van gogh museum store like actually in amsterdam or if you ordered them on the pokemon center website there was this uh promo card i'll see if i can pull a picture of it i'm sure there's a picture of it somewhere in here um that ross tweeted but um 
between the between the yeah. <laughs> between the nerds and the scalpers, how many how many people do you think went to their first museum in Amsterdam <laughs> that weekend? Uh, I feel like. <laughs> Dude, most people have to have gone to a museum at some oh, yeah, point yeah. in their life, you know, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this was a card that was going to be given to you if you bought any of these items. And something I thought was kind of interesting, too, is you got one of these per item that you bought. So in the past, whenever mm. they've done promo cards on the Pokemon Center, it was like you could buy a bunch of things for, you know, whatever promo card they were given out at a time, like the special delivery Charizard or Pikachu, whatever they were. And you would just get one card per order. But this yeah. was giving you one card per item yeah. that you purchased. So if you bought, you know, 10 sets of sleeves, you got given 10 promo cards, which is uh, probably where a lot of these went. And as you can imagine, you know, maybe based on what we're saying here, really cool sounding collab went to what uh, was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's, <laughs> was an like absolute a, mess. that's like a Black Friday video from back in like the... Yeah, this 2010s. video was going uh, all over the place on Twitter. People just like grabbing whatever they could. This is at the actual Van Gogh Pokemon Center. Postcards, uh, prints to hang on the wall, whatever they could get their hands on. They were just grabbing an absolute mob what, of people. Dude, it's so, to be honest, it is. It's like one of those things where it's like, I don't mind the idea of people like wanting this stuff, but like this kind of stuff is always feels a little disgusting. It feels like the things that people say about consumerism, like this yeah. is this is the really bad side of like wanting something. Uh, but it's like it's more more so than wanting something. It's like the idea of wanting something because it's worth something um, more than like what you're getting at. Like the secondary market influence on consumerism is like so weird to see yeah. like portrayed here in this video. And that's definitely a huge part of it, right? Scalpers, people who are trying to buy yeah. the items to sell the items, people who are trying to buy the items to get the card to sell the card, right? Yeah, like, I mean, that's the most part. Is like, people are just trying to get the promo, right? Yeah. Because, like, I, asked, I talked to... Oh, I also feel like... Yeah, just one more thing. I, I also do feel like we maybe do underestimate... I think it's easy to look at something like that and just instantly write off, like, all these people are just, like, trying to scalp and, like, sell these items. And that's probably what a lot of them are doing. But there's also probably almost an, like, genu genuinely, there probably is almost an equal number of people who are there because they just love the brand, love the stuff, and want those things for themselves as well. Like yeah, those... I'm also talking about the people trying to grab, like, ten posters out of that box or whatever. <laughs> like, sure. if someone rolls up and picks up their one, you know, postcard, like, that's different. But, um. Yeah, I talked to Lorelai a little bit about it because she's like more inside the collector side of things. And I think uh, like people didn't even know that you were actually going to be able to get the promo card from the Pokemon Center. So like initially the cards were like pre like pre selling for like seven hundred dollars or something that Lorelai was saying. And now they're down to like one hundred and fifty because, yeah, everything like everything you bought off the Pokemon Center, you got a promo card with. So there was definitely more promo cards than people thought there was going to be. I think people thought it was just going to be like a museum exclusive. Um, but it turned out you were also going to be getting them from the Pokemon Center. Um, and yeah, I think it's like one of those things, like in general, like a lot of people were disappointed to not be able to get anything off the Pokemon Center as well. But that is one of those things where it's like, it's it's hard because like this is what I like mentioned on my stream, and like when I talked to Lorelai about it, she like echoed the same sentiment. It's like, would anyone really want some of this stuff if they printed eight billion of it? You know, so everyone in the world could have one of them? Probably not. So the idea of the exclusivity is one of the reasons you do want it, which I don't think is a bad thing. But mm -hmm. it's also it also leads into the part where it's going to be like you're not always going to be able to be one of the people who gets that exclusive item, right? Sure. I feel like part of it, part of the the value or the 
the enjoyment of having something like this is like because you have not that you have it and no one doesn't it's just that you know there's only so much of it and like you you have something that's like yeah you know if, if everyone could get a pikachu with a felted hat whenever they wanted you know 10 years from now it would have a little bit less value to it right like even sentimentally um, yeah i mean I we see some of that with like even just some of the pokemon tcg sets that they you know reprint a lot like shining fates was a really sought after set when it first came out and then they've just printed it so much like they still make etbs for yeah. that i feel like if you go to the pokemon center right now you can buy shining fates elite trainer boxes and you know that's cool and fine and i'm sure they still sell plenty of them there's plenty of people who want them and anyone it's cool that anyone who wants one even now could go online and order one but uh it makes it feel maybe less i don't know i, I feel like at initially if people in 2020 when that set came out knew that in 2023 they'd still be able to buy it or 2021 whenever that set came out i don't remember exactly but um if they knew that you'd still be able to buy it two years later like at msrp they maybe wouldn't have like gone cra as crazy for it as they went initially right like yeah i think there's a breaking point breaking point between availability and exclusivity that you want to kind of meet for the market demand right and it probably um, depends and, on the item too like a yeah. set like that versus like an exclusive collab right yeah and i feel like they probably missed the mark it sounds like they, they even think they missed the mark on this one because i put out a tweet right saying Which basically they never do <laughs> is that true though i feel like i've seen this kind of tweet before from pokemon where they're like yeah the pokemon center drop did not go well yada, i don't yada. think so is this i don't like the first time i've ever done like something this. like this yeah so maybe not maybe i'm tweet. maybe i'm misthinking Did you just, yeah, there you go yeah so they tweeted out we apologize to all the fans eagerly awaiting our pokemon center van gogh museum release today due to the overwhelming demand all our products from this collection have sold out we understand this is disappointing to many who are looking to our official email and social media channels for guidance on how and when to purchase. We are actively working on ways to provide more Pikachu with gray felt hat promo cards for fans shopping at the Pokemon Center in the future. Details will be released about that at a later date. Thank you for understanding and continued support. Yeah, so yeah, it looks like they're trying to get some more hats out to people, um, which is good. Yeah, it seems like they missed the mark a little bit on this one. I don't know. It's such a weird. This is all this because, like, I'm not really too much into the idea. Like, whenever I see Pokemon, like, if I could go on the Pokemon Center right now and order something and get a Pikachu promo, I probably would. But I'm also not someone who's going to wake up at, you know, if it, I think stuff dropped at 9 a.m., like three, four days ago. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not the one, someone who's going to wake up at 9 a.m. to try and get something it, if you have to, right? You won't catch me doing, doing that. I think it's fine if yeah. you want to do that, but it's like, um, Man, I don't know where I was going with this. To be honest, I had like a thought process and I completely lost it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I was someone. <laughs> so like it's 9 a.m. for you, but it's noon for me. So it's like, yeah. you know, I was in the middle of my day and I was kind of keeping my eye on the Pokemon Center site. I was going to try to pick up a couple things. I mentioned that Snorlax playmat. I probably would have gotten yeah. a print or something like that as well to put on the wall. Uh, if I found if there was one I really liked as well. Uh, and Joe Merrick, who runs the website Serebii, he actually responded to this tweet and said, it's a shame they went out of stock before listings even went up on new releases or search. So they weren't really bought by many actual people, but rather scripts. So like the way the Pokemon Center website works and the way that I've searched for like new stuff most of the time is just clicking on this button in the top left corner, new releases and everything that is newest is just generally right here. And that's where I kept looking during the day. Every time I would 
just pop on the website. I do a little refresh, try to see if anything got posted in here for the Van Gogh collab. Nothing ever showed up. On the main page down here, they had a panel for the Van Gogh collab that was not clickable. I kept on scrolling and looking for that to be clickable. But the website, the items did go live on the website, but they were uh, not searchable either. Like you couldn't search Van Gogh, it would return nothing. Uh, so they were found based on what Joe is saying here. It sounds like by people who, you know, by other means were, were finding ways to scrub the website for whatever data there was to, to find the links needed to to get them into their carts yeah i don't know it's such a weird the the whole idea of like scalping and like this kind of stuff is so weird to me to like think about i haven't really like ever really thought about this stuff too in depth actually like the most i've ever thought about this stuff is like with this van gogh drop it's like oh my like this you give scalpers power by like wanting to buy the products right but as soon as you don't care if you get the product or not the scalpers lose all of their uh leverage right if no one's willing to go buy it at a increased price on ebay afterwards then the scalpers have no leverage and then they won't want to yeah. buy the products again but it's like it's weird because it's like it's but like on pokemon side of things they want their fans to get the products right so it's like a yeah, really yeah. weird thing and i don't know maybe pokemon should just print infinite of everything is that the solution but then how much demand would there be for these things if there's infinite of them i feel it like it would definitely like a... be good at first but then like the demand would definitely decline because like you mentioned, like the exclusivity of it definitely yeah. adds to it. And like with I something else that fine. came out like, recently that the Pokemon trading card game classic set that debuted, it's like $400. Yeah. It says on the website, one of one. And I uh, was in some chats with some people who are like, not even necessarily Pokemon TCG people, but they were like, I'm pretty, I am a sucker for something that says uh, limit one per person, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I feel, yeah, I feel like this, but then, and I think that's fine. I think it's like a fine reason to want to get something is because it's, it's something I can have that not everyone has, and not in like a selfish way because that sounds like it's in like a selfish way, but it's like more in a way of just like you know, um, yeah. It's just like you, I mean, just having that experience or going away to like experience something that everyone's ever going to be able to is like, you know, it adds some value I think to to stuff. But yeah, there's definitely a balance between like exclusivity and availability, right? I think that missed the mark on on this one but i feel like it is like a self-fulfilling prophecy right where it's just like if it's gonna have any exclusivity especially when it's something as big as pokemon it's just gonna be it's gonna get scalped very heavily right no matter yeah. what so then it's like either like... we lose we either lose all uh we either lose all is exclusivity the right word is that the right word i was using is that even the right word to use yeah 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 we either lose all exclusivity and then there's like almost un unlimited of them and then that basically kills off scalpers but then at that point how much interest is there from people to still get this stuff i guess that's kind of the yeah. question i think pokemon yeah, I think definitely wants to like... get their products in the hands of the fans but they still want their, they still want to sell out right i'm sure pokemon still wants to sell out of van Gogh stuff but they want pokemon fans to be the ones who sell them out not yeah. rips yeah definitely i mean I think like as a Pokemon, you know, fan slash collector, whatever category you kind of put yourself in when it comes to these exclusive items, I think you just have to kind of be okay with the fact that sometimes you're not going to get, you know, the thing you want. And then whenever the thing you want doesn't happen, like, and you're not able to get it. If you go online and buy it from someone on ebay like it becomes part of the cycle it becomes part of the problem right <laughs> yeah that's so what I'm i saying. think i think just like mentally you have to kind of say to yourself you see something that you're gonna want you're like okay i'm gonna make an effort to try to get it if i can't get it you know what that's okay i'll use that money i would have bought for that and i'll put it towards whatever the next exclusive thing that comes out is that i maybe want to get so i think you have to be willing to 
uh, be okay with missing out. And that's kind of the biggest, it's, it's definitely like a market of FOMO. It feels like, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe still getting the complaints out there to, to, you know, to let Pokemon know, Hey, I couldn't get this would have been nice to get this. And maybe they'll push them to put more out there next time. Or, you know, cause I'm sure they have some stuff in effect that like stops some scripts and some bots, but probably not. And obviously probably, I guess not all of them. Um, I'm sure that exists, right. That's out there Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, but it's obvious it's still it's still happening. So maybe it pushes Pokemon to try and get the get their uh, Pokemon Center defenses up a little bit higher. Um, but yeah, I mean, actually, I'm curious. That'd actually be something I'm really curious to hear from anyone who's listening to this in the comment section. Like, what? How do you feel about exclusivity versus availability to mm-hmm. you as like a Pokemon collector? Because I'm sure there's a lot of Pokemon collectors out there who don't care how who how many people have something as long as they, they can also get it. it. Yeah, they just want it. I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. Um, and for me, when I think about that, I mean, that doesn't seem like a bad thing, but I feel like it's it's fine if the ex- exclusivity of something is like adds the value for people to want to go get it. And then should, should something like this Van Gogh collab with Pokemon, should it be basically, like I said, should there be effectively 8 billion printed where literally everyone in the world could get one if they wanted to? Or, you know, should there be like some people missing out and that's kind of fine. Obviously, we can't fully do away with Scalper, so that'll always be a be a factor, but. Yeah, let me okay. know in the comment section down below because I've never really like really thought too in depth on this, and I'm not someone who's like a collector type person, so I don't experience this stuff very often. So, hey man, it's don't interesting worry. to me. L- listen, listen. If you missed out on the Van Gogh <laughs> stuff and you're upset that you missed out, product wasn't available like you thought it was gonna be. There was no promos, whatever it is. Don't worry because there is a brand new <laughs> accessory kit line from Ultra Pro coming out uh with <laughs> the most stock images you could ever imagine of these pokemon yeah i mean this is just like what these ultra pro it's the same pikachu right like for years. i've seen yeah, this and, pikachu before oh yeah this th- that's what this tweet is saying here from okay jayla of you know missed out on the pokemon van gogh merch don't worry because the shimmering skyline accessories are right around the corner. Enjoy the same stock Pikachu artwork you've seen for the last 15 years on a stunning backdrop generated using AI prompts by our two-month intern. Man, yeah, very these, uh, so anyone who doesn't know, these Ultra Pro products, like Ultra Pro and Pokemon have like an exclusivity deal. I feel like Ultra Pro makes all, yeah. like the all of these, you find them in Walmarts and stuff like that from time to time. And it's just the gen, the genuine most stock images of Pokemon placed on, I guess, whatever background they're feeling at any given time. This feels, and I'm sure they sell because Ultra Pro still wants to partner with Pokemon. And um, it's one of those situations where Pokemon probably doesn't, as long as like Ultra Pro is like not defacing the Pokemon brand in some way, Pokemon probably doesn't care if Ultra Pro wants to continue doing this. But it feels like this is such a missed opportunity. And maybe this is just it, though. Maybe Pokemon's like, you get access to this and this is it. You can't do anything. These are exclusive, right? These are like exclusive Ultra Pro products. Yes. But (laughs) it's like, it's like, Pokemon send them like a bunch of PNGs of Pokemon that they can use and they're like put them somewhere that's it that's probably what it is right they probably lock them out of it like I'm sure if Ultra Pro could Ultra Pro probably would like hire some artists to do exclusive Pokemon drops throughout the year right and do like some really sick artworks on sleeves and and mats and deck because they would make so much money if they had some really cool images out there right like if they had some but so I'm pretty sure I wouldn't like it's not I don't think this is Ultra Pro's fault. This has to be Pokemon being like, we want to like get more products out there. Um, and we don't want to do it ourselves. So we're gonna give these 
these sticker PNG or PNG Pokemon PNGs and send them over to Ultra Pro <laughs> and they can put them on whatever they want. And that's it, I feel like. Um, so I, I don't think it's like Ultra Pro being lazy, I guess I would say. That would be my guess, but I actually don't know. Yeah, for sure. I think that's fair for sure. I'm going <laughs> to look at this. This is the Gallery Series Seaside Standard Gaming Playmat. <laughs> But see, I've seen, I see, I've seen all these images before. I've seen that yes, Lapras. I've seen they that are the stock images. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, and you know that Pikachu that we just mentioned? Well, boom, there he is again. <laughs> <laughs> On the Pikachu so and Mimikyu rude. trading card game playmat. And then the, the I'm sure the energy symbols are also stock images. And then the background is the only thing that's like... They, they have look any so say over, they, yeah. They look so ugly, too. Like, they all look ugly, to be honest. They just look terrible. Because uh, it literally is like you took a sticker and you put it on. They look like stickers. They look like they put stickers on stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. It really is the stock image. But like I was saying, I don't think this is. I don't think, like. It is funny to see these constantly come out because they are ugly. Uh, there's no, there's no life in them. There's no creativity. It's the same Pikachu over and over. Um, but I don't think it's like I don't think it's like Ultra Pro being lazy. This is probably like this is the Ultra Pro's deal with Pokemon. It's probably it's like Pokemon's like you can use the stock images, yeah. And now you get the Pokemon brand. And Ultra Pro, why would Ultra Pro turn that down? But I'm sure if Ultra Pro could do exclusive Ultra Pro artworks for stuff, they would because it would make them even that much more money, right? But yeah, so like they this is used as like Pokemon's <laughs> like you know sell to the masses, right? It's available at big box stores, available on Ultra Pro's website, and then they still have like cool exclusive you know play mats and. Uh, deck boxes and but they're not ultra pro like though, that. right yeah yeah no these are this is like pokemon center exclusive stuff let me just go to the right tab here of tcg accessories like, yeah like on the ETB sleeves aren't ultra pro sleeves right i don't think so no they're like the it's same not i think it. these are like the same quality as like the sleeves you get at internationals not like the elite trainer box sleeves which are like a matte finish. These are more a glossy finish, like from the yeah. Pokemon Center. And the mm -hmm. play mats and deck boxes, the double deck boxes. I have a few of the like Pokemon Center double deck boxes. I've talked about them before. I use them, right? Um, but so like they do have like you, the, Pokemon still makes, like the Pokemon Company International does still make like unique exclusive things. But yeah, but these things are cool. The Pokemon Center stuff is like original artwork. Yeah, that's stuff. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. But like they, well, they I, still... that Gyarados might be the stock image on that. Is that stock no, image it's Gyarados? Different. It's different. Okay. It's hard to. Are you sure? Yep. <laughs> That's what I'm going to start calling up. Yo, is that stock image Pikachu over there on that? Yeah. Uh, it, They're just like looking... the Sugimori arts. Ken yeah. Sugimori, uh, like the basic, you know, yeah. he draws like every single Pokemon uh, as like their like base sprite or whatever, you know? That's what I'm going to go with, uh, for Halloween this year. I'm going to go with stock image Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> you should be stock image Azul for Halloween. <laughs> Did you see uh, Mahone's tweet? Yeah, yeah. Mahone's tweet was pretty good. Yeah, he's trying to get a job working at Ultra Pro, made his own play mats. I, it looks pretty good. I don't know. It looks about the same as the other ones. I mean, Interesting like, choice going with the Sinnoh monkeys, though. Or yeah. the uh, Unova monkeys. Literally, when Mahone tweeted this, I thought this was a real one. I thought this was <laughs> I like no memes. I thought until I saw the the Shutterstock or was it Shutter Shutter Shutterstock right? Until I saw yeah, the yeah, Shutterstock yeah. uh, watermark, I literally thought this was a real Ultra Pro playmat because it looks like one. It literally just looks like one. Just Pokemon on a backdrop in random places, and yeah. 
Ultra Pro even replied to this hired. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny to see them to see them reply, to be honest. That was hilarious. They sent a job yeah. application link. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely some uh some good back and forth. Some for self-awareness sure. from Ultra Pro, I guess. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, but there's not like like I said. I don't think there's much to say. Like, like there's not. It's not like laziness on Ultra Pro side because Ultra Pro will be making more money. I'm sure if they could do their own artworks of stuff. But their contract with Pokemon is probably here's the stock images. You know, do what you and why would you can with take them. it right? Yeah, on both sides, I think it's a plus for both both sides right there. Right? Like, yeah. I think that Ultra Pro's plus and Pokemon's plus and like good deal both ways. But I mean, it would have been cool to see Ultra Pro get the access to like doing their own stuff with Pokemon, but Pokemon is super protective of their brand. So it's like not a surprise at all. That's uh that's the, that it's the stock image <laughs> products. They're so ugly though. They really are. They're bad. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you see the Pikachu for like this, the fifth time you're like, hmm, I've seen this, <laughs> I've seen this guy before. <laughs> that card, that, that put that Pikachu is literally on a card. I'm pretty sure too. I is think it really? it's on the roaring skies. Pikachu. Is it on the V union? Dude, why is this zoomed in like yeah this? why is it like that zoom out you're just overly zoomed in oh no i'm not oh what what setting are oh there's got to be PK a gaming cards right? is just broken right now yeah, let me see if it's broken for me let's see <laughs> uh, oh dude, it is I, yeah i'm just trying to search a pokemon <laughs> card and it's just like okay see but like this it's normal anyway yeah can I I'll just see search if it's like there. this roaring skies if I spell it right? I'm gonna just Google it. <laughs> All right. I'm pretty sure it's the exact same. Oh no, it's just very similar. Oh. That's not that similar. Okay. Facts. Well, I we wonder if that artwork to... is it on Pikachu V Union? Now I'm curious if it's on the Pikachu V Union artwork somewhere. It's gotta be, right? There's no way. Oh my gosh, are we really doing this? Well, I wanna know now. Union has a hyphen in it. Yeah, I don't. I'm looking at him right now. I don't think it's there. I don't think it's there. Damn. Well, they left him out. I guess that's Stock a dub. Pikachu for didn't make the cut. <laughs> that's a dub for Ultra Pro. Then it's becoming like the exclusive Ultra Pro. It's Pikachu the exclusive at this point. Ultra yeah. Pro artwork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's no longer a stock. It's the exclusive Ultra Pro Pikachu. All right. Oh, that's something. Well, we can move on to. Our next topic, and it's not at first glance a TCG topic. It's actually related to Pokemon Go, but could this be a sign of things to come for the Pokemon TCG? So the Pokemon, the Play Pokemon page did tweet today that there is an update to the Pokemon Go Championship Series rules effective at LAIC, and then they just linked the the rules document. I thought this was pretty interesting. They were like, <laughs> first off, this announcement is terrible. Important updates for the championship series. And then they don't say what the updates are. They just link the full 25-page <laughs> rules do document. So it's yeah, like, you yep, just said. Something, something on this page changed. Go ahead. Go figure it out, people. <laughs> yeah, they literally could just said whatever it says in here. And then also been like, and has been added to the official rule book. So wait, it says okay, it goes. Okay. It says it goes summary into of changes. effect. Down oh. at the bottom, it does say summary of changes. So you can see, like, most recently what was changed, I guess. Still not very intuitive. Um, no. I didn't know it was going into effect at LAIC. I didn't, I didn't. I missed that part. Um, mm -hmm. So that means all Pokemon Go events before then are not going to be uh, open deck list. 
Yeah, or open and that's that's sheet. what this announcement, the big change from this was for Pokemon Go players, is yeah. that uh, they will now have open team sheets, which is the same thing that VGC has currently. So, you know, if you don't know, in Pokemon VGC, you know, you when you're competing at a, a Pokemon VGC event, you get a printed out sheet with your team of Pokemon on it. It lists all the moves that your Pokemon have. It lists their like HP stat. I think I might list. I don't know if it lists all their stats or not, actually, to be honest. Um, I'm not sure. It's like the move sets. Uh, and then it uh, says their Terra like that. type. That's kind of the big one yeah. is that it says maybe what that's... their Terra type is and what their held item is, I think is, Oh, maybe it doesn't say what, I don't know how much information it gives to be honest. That might I think it's everything. Thing, I think it's literally everything or pretty much everything. Yeah, I think I asked my chat it. I think the main reason they did it was because of Terra types. Um, yes, yeah. That's the main reason there's open because there would be too many. Very, I don't know. It would, it would like slim down though. Like you would only want some Pokemon to have like one or two different types, probably in a competitive meta, right? There's no way like you roll up against a Pikachu and it's like, well, it could be any of these ten. Or how many types are there? Eighteen. BG? It could be any of these eighteen types. Like if if it's like. 16 of them it's probably just bad so like if it's any of these 16 types this pikachu sucks but if it's any it's like which one of the two relevant types is it actually going to be right so it's probably not that big of a i might be wrong on that you know someone who like knows vgc a little bit better than us in the comment section can uh can let us know but yeah i asked my chat um when this uh when i was talking about open team sheets in vgc like last week or the week before and they were like yeah it makes like the, the reason is like kind of feels like it is because of the terra pokemon for sure it's like that's like the reason to have open team sheets in VGC, and now they brought it to Go. I don't know the reason behind Go, and I would definitely like love to talk to like a top level competitive player in like either of the games to like get their thoughts on open versus closed, and like is Terratypes the only reason, and which one do they think is uh, like a higher skill ceiling? Because I think in the TCG, higher skill ceiling is definitely closed decklist. Yeah, I think there's a higher skill ceiling in closed decklist for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like playing around what is popular in the meta, what makes sense based on the cards you've seen so far, what you should play yeah. around and stuff like that, right? Absolutely a skill in the game. And I don't think it's like necessarily untrue that, I mean, it's definitely a skill in like the other games as well. But um, for Pokemon Go specifically, actually, there was this thread from 2-0 Butters, who's one of the uh, casters for Pokemon Go. He put out a three-part tweet saying why he likes this his initial thoughts a thread he absolutely loves the surprise factor as a player and a commentator but i believe open team sheets are a thousand percent the best way to go for the current format the reality is is that their competitions are double elimination so they don't have swiss they have double elam yeah and only one person per regional will guarantee qualifying for worlds the margin for error is extremely now. small Tony Togedemaru Small. Most players will have to go to multiple regionals or ICs to qualify for Worlds. I feel like it is in a player base's best interest to give them more information instead of less. You also equalize the small disadvantage of being on stream early day one. I feel like I might feel differently if one day the tournaments are Swiss or we have something like held items that would be more interesting if they were hidden. Yeah, to be honest, because they're a double elimination bracket, there's definitely a big disadvantage for being on stream because you can predict when you're going to hit that player. You're going to be like, oh, I'm about to hit them in three rounds. If they win, 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 let me go watch their stream match real fast, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually, that's that's like a, yeah, being on stream is like a huge, like in TCG, technically it is a disadvantage as well, but not to the extent that it is in Go for sure. That's like a big disadvantage, to be honest. Um, yeah, I don't know, like more information. Wait, what did, uh, what did Butter say there about more information? Something about more information? Um, 
Oh, saying that uh, the margin for error is extremely small. Um, it's in the player base's best interest to give them more information instead of less. Okay, but it doesn't actually reference like, is it better? Do well, better players win more often with more information, and that's the question I'm curious about. And it doesn't mm -hmm. mean just because it would favor better players winning more that it's the correct decision. I'm just curious as to what 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 go players feel like is that outcome. Are better players going to win more or less now? That's all I'm curious about. And it doesn't make it correct or incorrect whether they do or don't. I'm just curious about like, does it increase the the skill ceiling of the game to uh, have this open team sheet or does it reduce it? Uh, that'd be my that'd be what I'm curious about. But yeah, double elimination bracket yeah, being on stream would be really bad. So that. That does kind of like even up the playing field a little bit. How big are their tournaments? How many players do they? Even they cap get? at one twenty eight. I'm pretty sure. I think that's okay. the largest. I think for a while the re reason for that. I don't know if this is true or not. I feel like I heard this at some point. That it was like that's the largest that challenge allows for. Uh, I was literally going to ask. Bracket. Do they use challenge? <laughs> I think they do. Yeah. No, it's got to be. I think it's bigger than that on challenge. Maybe it's not. Yeah, because the players' cups were bigger than that, right? And didn't they? Oh no, they used Swiss, no. right? For no players' cup remember, was bracketed man. after you got in with the keys. But they used the one site that I used to play Hearthstone tournaments on, Battlefy. That was no, called? dude. Battlefy is the tournament, the the website that they tried to do the first limitless invitational uh, on or not invitational the limitless uh, uh, online open qualifier or whatever that like br the website broke do you remember that wasn't, yeah wasn't wasn't one of the players cups on that as well though i swear they were i think they I were don't remember i only played like but then played we switched over the one. for the limitless stuff we switched over to the smash site eventually yeah um whatever and that one was called own. yeah then eventually their own yeah <laughs> but anyways all this you know to say you know VGC added open team sheet, you know, in January this year. Yeah. Uh, Pokemon Go hear... has added open team sheet now at this point, you know, pretty early on in this season. Could open deck list be something that's being considered at all? I mean, we are now the only game on the circuit that does not have, <laughs> you know, a little piece of paper that you got to carry around to give to your opponent each round. Do you think it's something that could happen for us, Azul? And you knew, you know, you as one of the top level competitors, what are your kind of opinions on open deck lists in the Pokemon TCG at IRL events? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Well, the first thing I was going to say is uh, usually when like if there's any hubbub in the VG side of things, usually that makes it to my Twitter feed. I was never seeing anything about go on my Twitter feed, so I feel like they're like people are pretty okay with the open team sheets thing in VGC. Yeah, I and I tell. feel like I see a little bit of the go stuff because I follow all the the go casters and i feel like all of them were pretty okay with it yeah yeah um for tcg like we like open necklace happens in all the online tournaments so if you ever play in any limitless tournaments online you've you've seen the open necklace and the reason you do that is so people can't switch card. like probably wouldn't be able to switch decks and get away with it but you can't switch cards right so yeah. it, it reduces the potential cheating to happen in these online tournaments so like it feels like open necklace for the online tournaments is like uh, necessary um, and there was a discussion as we were getting like leaving COVID and getting back to the IRL tournaments, like the first regional at Salt Lake City um, is open decklist or closed decklist. What takes the higher amount of skill? Because there definitely is there definitely is different skill sets to work with. Knowing full knowledge of what your opponent has um, does allow you to more correctly predict the or come up with what is the optimal line of play on board. Um, but after like, and I was like in the moment, like like these are the kind of things where I'm like. Uh, like I'm like developing my thought process on them, like as I'm experiencing it. And I was mm -hmm. like, I don't know, to be honest. Like, I was like, I can feel the difference. I know there's a difference in skill sets, 
which one has an overall higher skill ceiling. There's definitely a difference in skill sets from open deck list to closed deck list, but immediately after playing the first regional at uh, Salt Lake City, I was like, oh yeah, closed deck list is just a higher skill ceiling for sure. It's not even close. <laughs> like, I was like, I don't know. Yeah. To be honest. I've been playing these online limitless tournaments for so long and haven't played an IRL tournament for so long. I feel there's the difference, but immediately after playing the first regional, I was like, oh yeah, closed deck list is a huge... It's such a higher ceiling in closed deck list than open deck list. So I hope they don't make the change. I think it's a it's a cool thing. It's a good thing. Uh, you tech your tech cards will be so much less valuable. In best two out of three, they already have less value. I think they're still worth it in a lot of scenarios. Um, but yeah, your opponent knowing your exact counts, you can't get cheesy like like Grant specifically. A deck that he played last season was the Malamar V Max deck and played no yeah. bosses orders in it. Yeah. Like, which is really cool to be able to do that. Um, and be able to like make your opponents gonna be playing around bosses orders the whole game because your deck should play bosses orders. There's an Arceus Malamar V Max deck. It probably has bosses orders. Grant played zero bosses orders and uh, probably didn't get punished a lot of times he could have. Um, but it's because the advantage he created for himself was to not play them, right? So I think those things existing is really, really cool. I don't know how much of that is lost in VGC and Go by having open, uh, open sheets versus closed sheets. Um, but in TCG, I think you do lose a lot. So I'm hoping that they don't ever do open deck lists. I think it's fine for the online tournament still, you know, because you don't want like, you know, a bunch of people just running around with the intent of cheating. You're going to have a big problem with cheating, I think, if you got rid of the open deck lists uh, for sure. But uh, in uh, in IRL tournaments, I think it should uh, should stay closed for sure. I don't love the idea of open. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of uh, agree as well. And I'm thinking like from a logistics standpoint as well. I mean, they would definitely be able to get a sheet in everyone's hand. They already do it for the other games. It would be harder for TCG because there's just more people, but they would, you know, if they needed to, they could make it happen, right? Um, or to me, you know, w there's been so much discussion recently about pace of play. Can you imagine if added into that you had, you know, 10 seconds to check your opponent's deck list <laughs> between things, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of that, why? First off, why are we not able to submit whether we won or lost on our phones? Why are we still printing out things and break it? Do you know how much smoother tournaments would run if you didn't have to walk up to the the, the hive? And I think that's how they do it at One Piece and stuff. I forget who I saw a tweet about it the other day, but they it was One Piece or a different card game. I think it was One Piece. They're like, why are we still... They're basically just like, why are we still doing this in Pokemon? Why am I filling out a sheet? Like, yeah. when I go to play this other game, it's so easy to... That would make things so much smoother. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That is a good point. Why? Because I don't yeah. think it, like, jeopard do you think it ever jeopardizes the integrity of the tournament to have it on your phone? It's the same thing, right? Like It is the same thing, right? And, like, you know, you might say, well, someone could walk away and say, like, I won that game. But if you say you won that game, it's not going to work because two people are saying they won the game, right? Both players have to verify the results. We already see that happen several times per tournament. You'll hear at a regional championships Chris Shemansky comes over the loudspeaker, X player and X player, please come to the stage. And it's because the match slip is not clear who won the, the game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That happens all the time. Um, so, you know, I think it could solve some of that potentially, or like, I guess it doesn't add to the potential of that happening. Uh, and there yeah. might be people out there who don't have a smartphone, right. Or don't have, True. well, you could still have them go to make up. that happen. But what you could do in those situations is, you have them when their game finishes call a judge over and have just the judge walk up to submit the, the results right yeah yeah oh yeah yeah the judge yeah you just bring a judge over and they can submit the result on their phone yeah um yeah for sure yeah if you don't that's true, true. some people don't have the smartphone don't have the service but yeah you just go judge our match is over we're at table x this player one and the judge goes on their phone and they can do it right yeah um and then but most people have a smartphone most people have service uh and they can just go 
submit it in there themselves. I think that'd make things smoother. It, it kind of just makes common sense. I don't know why we're not there at that point, but to that point, because like I was thinking about, oh, we could just have the deck list on the phone. You could just view your opponent's deck list on RK9. When you look up at your round on RK9, you could also view the deck list, right? Um, yeah. I guess like, once again, though, some people don't have service or a phone. Uh, yeah, I guess you'd still have to carry around a paper sheet, but um, also it could just be on the phone. But yeah, I think we should just, yeah, well, we got to make that happen. By next, uh, Probably not this season, but by next season, please, can we just submit our match results on our phone? <laughs> it seems it's it's just a button click right you just had two two buttons to click onto the we already see our match slip on the phone with both players just let us click the thing do like one of those digital signing things where you like click it this i consent to this being my signature or whatever and then a capture or something like that yeah submit the, <laughs> i am not a robot <laughs> i'm a pokemon player and then <laughs> yeah send it out but um but yeah i mean can you imagine the the logistics of adding the time uh, it takes to like check a deck list every time you're like about to make a play and you're like wait does my Whoa. opponent play x card and then you're like oh, is that how that works well like, so in vg it doesn't really matter because there's a timer built into the game right yeah so it's like you have a set amount of time to make your decisions regardless so you're like just you have access to your opponent's list the whole time right Though i actually might i'll check or you get to look the... at it and hand it back i'm gonna you look at the imagine... rules real quick you know the, like, it would be funny if you have an opponent who like fidgets a lot and they like hand your list back to you all crumpled up and they're like like ripped or something or like drew on it as they're like <laughs> they yeah, i don't actually so know they like rip it up yeah i knew they got i knew it's open team sheet but i didn't know if they got to if you hold your opponent's team sheet while you're playing and give it back at the end or if you just get to look at it before the round starts for a second and then you give it back to them um it would make more sense if you got to hold it because yeah because vg matches are also timed so you there's no ties you can't go to time yeah um your game should just be over by a certain time so it would make sense that you get to just keep it the whole time uh forever because like yeah you're not yeah for pokemon for pokemon i'd have to feel like you get to just view it at the beginning of the match right because yeah are you gonna be yeah because always like we would it would be more time eaten up right i mean like think about every time you play an online tournament right i mean you have two monitors so you play your game on one monitor and you have the deck list pulled up on the other monitor so it's like you have a question of deck list boop take a look over real quick okay yeah they don't play that card boom i can do this right yeah yeah so it's like it would also change the way you play open deck list if you like only had like say you get get like two minutes at the start of the game to like review your opponent's deck list and you're having to sit there and try to memorize everything in their list dude sometimes i have a hard time remembering what's in my own list how am i going to remember everything that's in my opponent's (laughs) list you know all right well that first thing shouldn't be a problem so you got to work on that too um i mean yeah but like you just look for the important stuff you just take note of that you know the little things that stand out you might be able to get the whole thing down but memorize but yeah i mean i just hope it doesn't happen yeah i'm hoping it doesn't happen because i think there's like a lot more depth to the game with the closed deck list so i hope that uh hope we are able to maintain that like even like yeah like the, just like the little things like i mentioned like grant not playing the boss orders toward at worlds with double reversal energy stuff like that is just you know gives you like that edge when you like are the it, it takes away the innovator's edge by some extent, right? I'm yeah. sure you innovated. You're not, like I said, Grant's not playing boss's orders in this deck. Tor's playing double reversal. But if your opponent, half the part is like coming to the conclusion that you think that's the better way to play the deck. But the other part is being able to take advantage of that because now it's a weird, it's a different count than people expect. So yeah. when all of a sudden your opponent knows that you have the count, it's like, oh, now I'm just going to play around your second reversal energy, right? So you lose half of the edge of the, uh, of being the innovator. So half the innovator's edge or whatever you want to call it. 
Well, before we get into guess that flavor text, not enough for its own like full blown topic, but there was a couple kind of interesting cards that were revealed as well, and I just wanted to mention real quick. And it is they've already gotten mentioned once this episode. It's kind of weird that the monkey trio from <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Gen Five games is getting a second mention in a single episode. But there was new Simisage, Simisir, and Simipore cards revealed. And while we don't think they're necessarily super competitive, these are actually really unique and interesting cards. Yeah, yeah. So they all have an ability that says if you have itself and each of the other ones in play. So if you have all three monkeys in play. Yeah, their attacks cost... uh, You remove the colorless cost from all their attacks. So this isn't... None of them... It's not going to be like a good deck. It could be a fun deck or a cool deck. It won't be good. They have some decent attacks. So like the Simisage's attack... Or grass colors, colors. Hopefully, just a grass. 100 damage during your opponent's next turn. Prevent all damage on this Pokemon by attacks from Pokemon that have an ability. Right? That's that's like pretty solid attack, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's Lolan uh, Vulpix V V Star's attack for one energy. Yeah, Simisir 190 does 30 to itself for a fire, and then Simapore for one water does 50, and then 30 damage to your opponent's bench Pokemon. So probably won't be good competitively, but it'll be like like this kind of stuff is just cool that this exists on cards. And I feel like we just don't have enough of this. Like one of my biggest gripes, and I think it's more of a product of the meta than the the actual power level of the cards, Um, but it does make the game more boring, but it is one of those things I've kind of come to terms with. Like, it's okay. Like maybe it's good that we're getting overall lower power level cards now. And then all the non-competitive decks just all kind of suck because maybe we're, maybe we're plateauing for a good reason. We're like once, once a rotation or two hits, all those other cards that have that, like Bialskarada would be a good example of a card that it seems like it's almost there competitively, but it's not quite there. But maybe once Lost Boxes... But it's a really cool and unique card, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a really cool and unique card. Maybe once all the Lost Boxes and stuff rotate, it'll actually be good. Um, But I feel like like in most recent sets, we just don't have a ton of those cards that pop out. I've actually really enjoyed 151 because I've gotten to play decks like uh, Blastoise EX, and there was another one that I was playing with recently um i guess the other one's like the backscalibur kiram deck that i played with recently and it's like these decks that are just like to be honest they're bad decks but you can beat like you have like a good matchup against a couple of actual meta decks and then you can beat a bunch of the meta decks or a decent amount of them not all of them you do have some bad matchups and not all the time um, and not all the time but like it's better than going like one in 30 trying to like force some some deck right like yeah. It's That's nice true, to be able to dude. play a bad deck and win at least like 40% of your games or something like that on PTCG Live Live. Yeah, I remember the days on PTCGO, like 2017, 2018, like I would make, I feel like I've talked about this on the podcast before, but like I would make a video when of like each ultra rare card in the set. So like, even if they were like not that good, there was maybe sometimes I would leave like a couple of them out that were just like exceptionally bad, but even like the super mid to like not very good cards, I would try to make videos out of. and like. I wouldn't win every game and it would definitely be a deck that like didn't have a good matchup, but like I could get a, I could get content from it. Like I could actually win a few games and like beat a good deck like every once in a or while. Even if you don't win, if you just can like play a match against them. Yeah, yeah. That's like but what like, it feels like with the most recent. You couldn't very recently. It's felt like you can't do that. Yeah, you can't even play games of Pokemon. You just get raffle stomped like literally. And it's just like, I didn't even get yeah. to play Pokemon. Like I tried to pick up what seems to be, the second or third best DX from like Obsidian Flames. And it's just like, I can't win a game of Pokemon. Like, um, so more cards like this that are obviously not good, but like are cool and unique and have you like, you can stop and think about like, um, think about them as a deck. We just want, I just want more of that. And ideally I want more of it to be good, but I said there's like a little bit of, uh, 
But see, the thing is, like, we can sit here and I can sit here and hope that the game is plateauing in power level, um, which will theoretically inevitably be a good thing when rotations hit and we lose some of the overpowered cards like the Lost Zone stuff. When those things are no longer as good or do fully rotate, then maybe all this other stuff like the Meowskarada and stuff kick in and actually become good. Um, or what the bad part of that is, like, it feels like we're plateauing, but then, like, we hit to the ancient and future cards and they're just broken. And it's like, we never got to play the mouse garadas and stuff. And they, those, we didn't like plateau the OP stuff leaves. And then all we have like a, a backlog of like a bunch of decent cards that just weren't quite good enough. Now all of a sudden they're all good, which would be really cool. But it's the, the flip side of that is maybe that doesn't happen. And this backlog of, of uh, almost good enough cards yeah. just gets power crept in like the next two sets coming up, like going into next year, the sets are just like, uh, once again, the power creep is too high. So I think it's it'll been be a really good cool. tell of that will be the, the rotation set. The, yeah. the set we get with rotation will be a good tell us of what, where we're going. That's always been one of my favorite parts of rotation is figuring out what old card that wasn't good before is good now. Like I remember uh, 2017 season, like the like early 2016 when rotation happened, um, you know, Mega Mewtwo became like a top tier yeah. deck. And it was unplayable in the previous format because it was weak to Psychic and Pumpkaboo just one hit KO'd it. You literally, <laughs> nobody played Mega Mewtwo and then it became a top tier deck. Mega Caesar was another one that was like basically unplayed and then it became a solid deck as well. Um, so it is super fun whenever those things happen. Before we move on as well, I mean, I do want to mention, I mean, you see what card we have on the screen right here, right? <laughs> Always makes me think of... <laughs> You're obsessed. Your theme card. Your theme card. Yeah, I'm actually trying to think. When did rotation hit last year? I just want to like see what the January. meta. So what was the tournament right or after? February. February, I think. What was the tournament right after that? See, trying to like I... find it. I'm just like curious as like what was. Let me look on Knoxville. that list at the Vancouver. Uh, no. The or... North American regionals, and I'll probably be able to remember. Fort Wayne? It doesn't look like it. Oh, Not, uh, all these again. were in the current format. Fort Wayne was in the... Portland. Portland, Portland wasn't the first one, though. Oh, but no, Portland might have been the first one. Fort Wayne had no scoop-up net, I think. Nope, like it broken did. Lugia, so Fort, yeah. Fort, Portland. Portland. Yeah, you go to Portland, Portland, right? You look. You go to Portland, and it's like... Uh, <laughs> you go to Portland, and it's Lugia, Lost Box, Mew... Uh, Arceus decks, uh, Guard yeah, Wars, of course, the like the stuff. new deck. Yeah, yeah, and you go to before Portland, which was Fort Wayne, and it's uh, Lugia, Mew. Yeah, there's Reggie in there. Lost Box, uh, Arceus decks. Gudra's up there. Gudra was a deck, but Gudra was like a fringe deck, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's like most. I mean, did you, I mean, this is just like there's so many Lugia. I don't want to look back at this, but yeah, like there's rotation hit, like last rotation hit, and it was just like the broken cards are still broken. Mew, Lost Box stuff, Lugia, still like the best decks. Arceus, right? So rotation hit last the last rotation that hit it was basically just like uh, all of the broken stuff that was broken before rotation is still just the broken stuff right and it wasn't like all of a sudden a bunch of backlogged cards were like unlocked nothing got unlocked by rotation and I so I think this next rotation will be a good tell is like are we just going to continue to power creep ahead too far and like we're not going to unlock the meowskaradas and stuff or will a rotation and it might take two rotations because I think. We might have to wait until Lost Zone actually rotates if Jirachi and Iron Hands doesn't do enough. We might have to actually wait for two rotations for Lost Zone stuff to actually rotate. But we are getting Jirachi, we are getting Iron Hands, and Battle VIP passes rotating. Will that be enough? And I think like getting rid of Lost Box does have the potential to unlock a, a bunch of other decks. So they're all they're all waiting there. Meowskarada is ready to go, but 
I don't know, Lost Box is pretty good. So we're kind of waiting on that, I feel like. Lugia as well. It's like another one where it's like been around for so long. We'll see though. We'll see. We'll see what happens with the rotation. I think that'd be the good tell the big tell though. The first A spec set plus rotation. Well, before we get into guess that flavor text, we do of course need to take a moment to thank our amazing sponsor, Dragon Shield. Huge thanks as always to Dragon Shield for being a sponsor of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. Dragon Shield, of course, makes some of the best card gaming and tabletop gaming products and accessories on the market, including sleeves, binders, deck boxes, and so much more. Our discussion on uh, the Ultra Pro stuff earlier was definitely making me think, I wish Dragon Shield had some sort of deal with Pokemon. Imagine, like, <laughs> you know, the people behind Dragon Shield to create the absolute incredible lore listed on the back of every single box of sleeves, being able to put those imaginations to work and create super unique Pokemon stories and, and uh, lore and artwork <laughs> and all that stuff would be incredible. Yeah, that definitely would be cool to see. Although, like, I mean, I'm sure if Pokemon ever, you know, started working with Dragon Shield, they'd probably be locked in in the same stock, yeah. <laughs> stock Pokemon. But yeah, giving, like, the, the people at Dragon Shield some access to, like, do what they want with some Pokemon stuff, that would be really, really sick. For sure, I think they would do, like, a really good job. Because they've already, like, built out such a unique brand behind the product that they make, right? Because their main product, like, their main, the main, I mean, their main product is sleeves, right? But sleeves, the sleeves need stories about dragons and all this lore and stuff not really but like they're the brand they built but behind it is so it. unique yeah yeah it's so unique that like you know that's one of the, the selling points of dragon shields yeah um maybe for our ad reads in the future we should start just like reading the back of a box of sleeves <laughs> they go pretty in depth on them for sure <laughs> um but yeah big shout out to dragon shield as always for being sponsor of the podcast um you can check them out as always over at dragonshield.com slash webshop slash US or EU, depending on where you're located. And of course, like we always say, they're available literally everywhere else, Amazon, Walmart, your local game store, probably as well. So you can pick them up pretty much wherever. Make sure you pick up some sleeves heading into this, this month of many major events. That is uh, October. Chip, guess that flavor text time. It's my turn to pick a card for you to guess. I'll be reading the flavor text on a Pokemon card, and then Chip has to try and guess which Pokemon that flavor text belongs to. Chip gets it right without using any lifelines. Four points for each lifeline used. Minus one point. The lifelines are what's that the card is from, what stage the card is, and then read an attack name. Chip, are you ready? I am so, so ready as well. And I just kind of got a glimpse. I see these comments every once in a while of people saying like, Maybe it was like someone came up to me at a tournament and they were like, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts on 2x speed to just try to like, you know, hear them quickly. But I cannot listen to your podcast on two times speed because I could not understand what Azul was saying if I was listening <laughs> to it on 2x because he basically already speaks it to 2x. Yeah, oh, I get man. that a lot. People say that in my YouTube videos and stuff as well. And like when I'm streaming, sometimes, but like, so, like sometimes I'm just trying to get out as much as possible, like, especially when I'm streaming and I'm talking through like a line of play. I'll just be like, all right, how do I get all this out? I just like, how do I say this? Like, it's because I'm trying to you speak. have seconds to get it out there. Well, I'm trying to speak at the rate that I'm thinking it, thinking through the lines of play. So that's like when I'm like where my probably my habit of speaking fast comes from when I'm like going through stuff is talking through lines of play on the stream. But um, yeah, this week's flavor text chip. I, I honestly reading this one. I think it is a unique. It, it, I uh, I like it as a choice because it feels unique, but I, for some reason I think we've done this one before. So if we have, let me know. But I don't. I don't think so. But like, is this going to be the second time Azul gives I've maybe me a card read that it we've before. literally already done? I've maybe read it before. Maybe that's why it's like like I'm having deja vu, but I'm pretty sure we haven't done it on the podcast. So 
Uh, it loves to bite and yank people's hair from behind without warning just to see their shocked reactions. Hmm. I don't think we've done this on the podcast, so you're okay, okay. there. Let's like love somewhere to else. bite, yank from behind just to see their shocked reactions. So this like is definitely feeling like some sort of dog or cat Pokemon, I feel like, or like a household. It definitely is like the vibes of a Pokemon that is a household pet more than like a battling Pokemon. So like a you know, maybe a Growlithe or a Meowth or a Shinx, something along there, you know, like an early encounter route. Well, maybe not necessarily early encounter route, but something along those lines is kind of where my mind is at. But I'm definitely going to need some help to whittle it down. So let me I'll, I feel like I usually start with what set the card is from. Let me start with read an attack name this time and see if that helps me. Maybe uh, mumble. Oh, man, I feel like that should help me. I feel like Mumble is like a psychic Pokemon thing. Hmm. Okay, let me see what set the card is from. Call of Legends. Call of Legends. Okay. So a reprint set. So Heart Gold Soul Silver era. So that actually helps me out a lot. So it's most likely a Gen <laughs> 2 or Gen 1 Pokemon. Is all of the Heart Gold Soul Silver era cards are they all Gen One and Gen Two Pokemon, or did I, they? I have no answer for you on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got you got to be talking to yourself on this no, one. No, I sure. don't <laughs> think so. Yeah, I I definitely I know I'm not getting any help from you on that one. Um, okay, well, I mean, I'm almost certain it's a basic, so I'm not even going to try to use that lifeline. Let me hear the flavor text one more time. Loves to bite and yank people's hair from behind without warning, just to see their shocked reactions. I mean, could it be like a or so it has mumble as the attack as well. That's kind of the weird thing here. Gosh, I feel like this should help me. I feel I like want to connect. I feel like there's like. I see the two dots of like the information I have and like the answer, but like I'm unable to like draw the line to connect them. I don't know what it is. Mumble. Oh, man, I feel like this should help me, but it's just not. Um, Got to lock something in here. I'm feeling like it's a psychic type Pokemon. Let me I guess I do have one more lifeline. Let me just go ahead and ask what stage the card is. It is a basic. Yeah, so that's what I thought it was. I have a fourth lifeline if you want it before you guess you'll get zero points if you get it but you'll mm. you can still get it with one guess if you want i have a fourth lifeline for this one well i might as well try to <laughs> to to get i'll give you before. half a point i'll give you half a point if you want to use the we're not lifeline. getting into the half a point range <laughs> i feel like this is like a card like this this feels like it's been a playable card to me is what i'm thinking and that might be what your your hint was like i feel like i've played an old deck and said mumble before that's like maybe where the connection is the, the reaction i'm seeing on your face right now makes me say maybe that's just totally not true <laughs> i'm, sh- uh, I'm trying to think i think of like it any is a deck. basic mumble yank on people's hair household pokemon i'm gonna need yeah i know the i really want to say it's a psychic pokemon the only thing that's coming to my mind right now is mime jr to be honest it could be mr mime as well because that's also a basic pokemon 
as mumble. So I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with Mime Junior Azul. I know that card is in Call of Legends. <laughs> it is not. Ah, uh, Mime Junior. But I'll give you the fourth lifeline here. Yeah. This card was involved in one of the most controversial rulings in Pokemon TCG old school history, pre-modern era era. Most controversial ruling. On stream, on stream rulings. Oh, dude. I don't remember. I mean, that's before my time, right? Like Yeah, I guess. But I think you've heard of this one. I mean, surely I have, Ready? I guess. Yeah, let's hear it. It is mischievous. Its second attack is dual draw. Ah, uh, Justin Zimmerman's <laughs> Miracle. Oh, no, that's not that. That's the... No, not the, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, this, this the... card's in the cube. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, there was a inter- there was a, an interesting ruling that happened between uh, Tom Dozel and... Dylan Bryan. I think Dylan Bryan is like one of the best players to ever play the Pokemon TCG and doesn't play anymore. Um, and Tom Dozel is also one of the one of the best players as well. Like from the back of the day. Tom Dozel used to do yeah. yeah, Tom Dozel used to like show up to US Nationals having played like zero events all year and then get his invite through the ELO system. Like top four the um, event. Yeah. <laughs> I think did it this year too. I think because Tom Dozel won this set against Dylan Bryan, moved on to Top eight or top four, where I think he did walk away with his world's invite from that from this year as well. I believe not 100% on that, but he did get the top eight. Um, but yeah, basically, Dylan Bryan used dual draw, Tom Dozel decks out, but they're in turns, so Dylan Bryan is the last turn. So Tom Dozel doesn't actually, uh, like between turns never happens, Tom Dozel never starts his turn, but both players think Tom should lose because, like, going you'll be going to the next turn, but Tom's ahead on prize cards, so. Um, or they were tied on prize cards, so it's like next prize card wins or something. Oh, no, no, I think they were ahead on prize cards, so. Look at uh, this. Something like that. Oh, you have the stream up there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know who's ahead on prize cards in that scenario, or if they're supposed to go to sudden death. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, Tom has one prize card left there. So the next turn never happens, and, you know, Tom would just win on the prize cards then. Um, yeah, yeah, because time is called, right? Yeah, so Dylan turn- should be winning. Or sorry, Tom should win. Yeah, because yeah. He never draws for turn because his turn doesn't happen. So he should yeah. win because he's ahead on prize cards. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. It wasn't even plus three back then. It was just like time is time, I'm pretty sure. I don't even remember. It was so long ago. This is a deep um, cut for sure. So Yeah. <laughs> this is a big throwback right here. This is back when there wasn't even official streams. This was the top cut stream of uh, yeah, this is the saw... first time Tuck Cut streamed in uh US Nats, I think. Puka There's and Pramawat a... back here doing commentary. <laughs> Look at that. This was 11 years ago, man. Jeez, was it really? 11 years. Yeah, 2012, man. man. It's 2013 or 2023. That's insane. That is a long time ago. All right, well, I didn't get it. I yeah, I definitely sh- I feel like I should have gotten it. I was I had all the right stuff, you know, like kind of a household Pokémon um also like, you know, a basic i got mumble and then it was like okay it's a psychic type right so like i was kind of on the right track but like i said it's like i had the two dots and i just wasn't able to connect them so zero yeah. points for me this i week. think if you had gone to like you know it's a pokemon that's being goofy if you had I said mean, you... dual draw i think i would have gotten oh it. yeah 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 i know i couldn't say dual draw but i was like hmm, if i say mumble that could get him close as well yeah it almost did you're like hmm, i've been mumbling <laughs> i've seen the mumble before i do be mumbling and... Yeah. 
I do feel like this is not the first mischievous card that's been in Guess That Flavor Text, but I could be wrong on that. I don't think we've done another mischievous. We might have, though. Uh, All right, but we do got time uh, to move on because we have to talk about Peoria Regionals this coming weekend. Going to be a big event. I don't think it's going to be as big as Pittsburgh. You had looked at the numbers and said it was over 2,000 players. That's across all yeah. divisions, though. We had 1,800 players in the Masters for Pittsburgh. It'll probably be 17-ish hundred, so still, like, really good size. But, um, you know, Peoria is, like, probably pretty easy for a high percentage of players to drive to, but it's pretty difficult to fly to. There's very limited yeah. options. Yeah, I'm flying into Peoria myself, but it's definitely pretty expensive. Could have flown into Chicago. I think quite a few people like fly to Chicago, and then they're, like, there's a lot of people who have like friends in the area who they get picked up by, or you rent a car. Maybe you and a couple friends plan to fly in Chicago together and then drive down. Yeah, it's like I did fill up, right? We are over 2K, but if this was like somewhere better in the Midwest, like could have gotten, could have definitely been a bigger tournament for sure. But Peoria sure Chicago is like would have been massive, right? Yeah, I'm sure Peoria is a little bit cheaper. Uh, to get a venue there than somewhere like Chicago, but it would definitely be nice to see it get out of Peoria next year. We do have, actually, we don't. We don't. Do we have a tournament? Is there a regional in Indianapolis this year? I don't Actually, think so. Only? No. Why? Why is Indianapolis on my mind? Where do we have? Is there another one in that your mid uh, Peoria area or no? Nope. Oh man, why do I have Indianapolis on my mind? I don't know. Do we have one there last year? Uh, nope. It was the year before, I guess. Twenty twenty two. Yeah. Yeah, so we got Peoria, and then we've got San Antonio, the kind of like middle what's section. The closest, of the what's Peoria, the closest? Peoria, San Antonio, Knoxville, and uh, oh, we do have Indianapolis. I'm sorry. We oh, do have okay, yeah, okay. It's just all the way in May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. I thought. Yeah, yeah my bad. Um, yeah, it'd be nice to get out of Peoria because it's just not a great location. We'll see if that happens next season. It's not terrible, obviously, but definitely could be an upgrade as far as if we can get to a closer airport. Um, and if we do, it's like it could be like even that much bigger. This could like be, I mean, I guess like Indianapolis and Orlando is what I'd be looking at as being the two biggest regionals potentially of the year. I think both of those will sell out for sure. It's just like venue space for the biggest one of the year, probably to be honest. Um, but yeah, over two K players in all divisions again. It doesn't look like the other two coming up will probably get there. We'll have to see seventeen hundred, seventeen hundred in SAC and Toronto. Uh, you can still register for Peoria though, so if you still want to play in it, um, this weekend, yeah. Yeah, all of the, you know, what are we going to call them, the, the tournament cap doomers or whatever are uh, being very much proven wrong so far for North American events. Of course, it's a little bit different in Europe and Latin America and uh, it seems like Australia as well. But if you're in North America, they're not capping. you got plenty of time to register. You can still play at all of them except Toronto. I think Toronto's capped right now, but um, Sacramento and uh, Peoria even coming up this weekend are still, still registered for them. So if you want to play at either of these events. You know, go register. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So we're ahead there. So let's talk about the meta a little bit then, Chip. What do you think is going to be... Uh, I mean, we could just start kind of the top down, right? Yeah. Uh, Lost Tina has been the top dog for a little while now. It was the most played deck in Pittsburgh. Not by a lot, though. It was like 1%. It was decently the most popular deck in Barcelona. We don't have the Latin American numbers, but Lost Tina did not do very well. And then definitely with... I mean, it got the... second place, right? But like, I, I, oh, yeah, I know overall, what you're yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah, got second place, saying. but like, there wasn't like a, a bunch in day two or it, Yeah, I mean, it got second place. I was predicting it to win once I saw the top eight. What was yeah. in top eight? Because Lost and I do feel like it has that favorable Charizard matchup. Yeah, uh, William was able to take it down in the end, but yeah, Charizard did not or Lost Tina did not show up in, in numbers very high. So where do you think it stands going into this weekend? Because even it seems like yeah. in the online tournaments, 
a little bit less success than we've been seeing and a little bit less popular as well. Yeah, even looking at the every single week, uh, Justin uh, Basil tweets out like a trends, I guess is what you would call this, like what's been most popular in standard online tournaments and stuff like that. And Charizard EX way up there, 15%. And Gardevoir EX right behind it at 13%. And Tina down to third, 11.3%. So part of me does want to say Tina is going to be less popular. Um, but also like a big part of me feels like there's not going to be any deck over 12% meta share at Peoria. That's kind of like my big call. I think going in is that there's not going to be a deck that's over 12%, which is, uh, pretty crazy, right? There's not like a definitive standout deck. I just think there's a lot of really strong, really good decks right now. And it almost feels like a pick your favorite type of format for a lot of players right whatever you're kind of enjoying the most everything has pretty close matchups with each other you know 60 40 55 45 stuff like that things can go either way a lot of the time um obviously some matchups are pretty one-sided a lot of the time it feels like but yeah it's it just feels like kind of an even format across the board for a lot of decks um so i think lost tina is probably going to be right around that 12 percent like i could be wrong on this like it could still just be like the most popular deck but it, i don't think it'll be over 15 by any means um you know obviously charizard x has picked up a lot of talk and popularity and steam ever since william won with it in curachiba down in brazil uh and like you mentioned lost tina does have a good matchup against charizard so if you've been playing Lost Tina, if you've been committed to it at this point in the format, I don't think anything is coming out that should make you feel like you should change off of it. You know, yeah. um, I don't think anything's changed enough for the people who've been committed to it to change off of it. Obviously, Azul and I have not loved the deck uh, for this entire format. We've never been big fans of it. But if you've been committed, I think it's as good a time to play it as it has been. Right. Yeah, I think, it'll, yeah, like, although if anything, it gets a little bit better for it, right? Right. Unless, like, the release of Mew EX, and Mew EX is a very strong attacker into the Lost Tina matchup. This is true. Not, like, this is true. Not many decks are playing, though. It's like it's in Colorless Lugia, and that's about it. So it's some not like it's like in every box. deck. Yeah, some Lost Box. So, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I kind of agree. Like, I think we see Lost Tina. I th- To be honest, like, and I was with you initially, I was like, all right, I think Lost Tina is still going to be like 15% of the meta. Like, if people haven't changed up to this point, why would you change? And then also your Charizard matchup, you're gaining like another good matchup yeah. that's getting popular, right? But the closer we get, I do kind of feel like it's just kind of waning. The people are playing it less. There's also a little bit less in the online tournaments. So yeah, I think it'll still be one of the top dogs, but I think it'll be around that 12 mark. And I think it'll probably be like up there alongside. Like it'll be like Tina, Lost Box, Gardevoir, and Charizard all about 10 to 12% as like yep. the top four decks, I feel like. Yep. Um, and then I think... For like as far as the stream graphic goes specifically, I think Lugia will be there as well. Um, I think maybe at the ten percent mark, uh, and I'm not really like thinking it's going to go like up towards the twelve. But it depends on if it like on the graphic specifically is Lugia going to be combined with Single Strike or is going to be separate. If it's separate, I think Colas will be the more popular of the two. But if they're combined, then it's going to be you know up there at the the ten percent as well. So. Yeah, I feel like they'll probably be combined on the graphic, but yeah. I might try to see if we can maybe just get the data to at least verbalize of like what the split looks like, right? Yeah, yeah. 
And then I think maybe the, like I think like just if they play single strike energy is like the metric to look at, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then you have like on this sheet here or on this breakdown here, we got Maridon and Intellion VMAX besides those. But one that's missing that's usually more popular than Intellion VMAX is the Qian Pao. Yeah. Um, and I think that'll still be about like I what was it like six percent or something at uh it was it was five. It was definitely 5%. on the decline. Um, but hasn't it always been around that? I know it's, it's been on the, it's been in the top six. No, before. yeah. It's been, it's been like a, an eight percenter in the past whenever like 8% made it onto the graph. Yeah. Maybe it is on the decline. So it'll probably be around 5% again. But um, I think there is reason to feel like if you're someone who has enjoyed Chien Pao, I don't think no Chien Pao is great right now play. either, but like, or just like great in general. I have liked yeah. Chien Pao in the past, uh, but Chim Pao is probably one of the few. I think like Charizard has like solid matchups across the board, but it has a bad Lostina matchup and it has a bad Chim Pao matchup. Terrible right? Chim Pao. It feels <laughs> Chim Pao just blows that sucker up. <laughs> and then like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so many plays. Like, you're always just ahead as Chim Pao. It's impossible for the Charizard player to ever actually get ahead. It's not actually possible. Um, so of course, if you whiff his Chim Pao, that's their moment. But even if Charizard attacks first, the Chim Pao player is still technically ahead on the prize trade. So yeah, it's a terrible matchup for Charizard. So, like, yeah, I mean, Chien Pao theoretically matchup wise, it's a little bit, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really like think the power level of the deck is actually that high. I don't think Chien Pao is just like that good of a deck in general, even if you're gaining another solid matchup in the Charizard deck. Yeah, still not a huge fan personally, but yeah, it'll probably be around then what the five percent Rapid Strike, probably also going to be around that five percent, right? No matter how good of a play Rapid Strike is, it's, it's not never... the type of deck that's ever going to be more popular than that. Yeah, um, I actually do think Rapid Strike's gearing up to be a pretty good play though um the charizard matchup the, I, I I, fine. one thing i'm unsure about is the charizard matchup with that deck like who is favored in that matchup oh because that's my kind of question mark as well my current impression on it is that it's like fine i do like the double cheryl in the intellion rapid strike deck as well i bet so that you have that it. yeah you have that to work with but if you play that and then the biggest reason it, it gets better though is there is uh less mew right mew is kind of just gone for the most part, because Charizard is so popular, which I think is fair. And I, th I think Mew's a pretty bad play right now in general. Um, I think even on top of that, I think uh, another thing that hurts Mew is Lugia will be about the same same percentage. And I think Lugia is still a bad matchup for Rapid Strike, but it is just like one 10% deck instead of two 10% decks with Mew and Lugia. Now it's mm -hmm. just Lugia. And I think the, the Skullis build is still bad for Rapid Strike because of the Mew EX. It's really hard to get over, actually. Um because they can like copy GMAX Rapid Flow and like do 240 to your Urshifu and then KO your Octillery in the same turn. And then they just need to KO the Urshifu and then have KO to two prizes earlier or something like that. And they just win. So I think the matchup is bad. So no matter what, Lugia is bad for the Rapid Strike deck, but Mew's going to see a decline. I think your Charizard, that's by duty. Like the Charizard matchup is a little, I'm still a little unsure about that as well. Is it a good matchup? Is it a fine matchup? Is it a bad matchup? It seems fine. Um, because the big thing with Charizard is. Uh, Charizard can't take big knockouts if you don't draw prize cards. And the Rapid Strike deck is really good at not taking prize cards, but not being behind on the prize trade. So, yeah, I would imagine it's fine. Also, they can KO your Pidgey before you get to get to a uh, Pidgeot, which is a big part in the Charizard Arceus decks or the Charizard Pidgeot decks. Yeah, like if you don't get two stage twos in play or three, it almost pressures you to get three stage twos in play turn two, right? Which is yeah, kind of because there's pretty low percent your... chance to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because the rapid strike deck can even draw. How many prize cards can you draw? Four. Um, and there's oh no, I guess they have the choice spell. You can draw three prize cards as the rapid strike deck, and they're still not KOing your B maxes. Yeah, um, which is pretty good. A deck that's 
listed second here. One that you've toted is still the BDIF, the best deck in the format currently. Yeah. Is the Gardevoir EX. I feel like when people hear me say that, they think it's just like, I don't think Gardevoir is head and, head and shoulders above everything else. I think it just has the best matchup spread. I yeah. think actually like for like my tier list and our tier list pre Pittsburgh, we should have had some other decks alongside Guardian the first tier. Um, but I think for this event specifically, Guardi is like the standalone best overall deck because the match the meta does feel like it's getting wider and not narrower, right? So I think mm -hmm. that works to Gardevoir's strengths, where it's like, okay, if the meta is this much wider, I'm the deck that has the best matchups spread, so I become more powerful, right? Um, so yeah, but when I'm so when I say Guardvor is the best deck, in, like when I put Guardvor alone in S tier. It's not that it's that much way better than all these other decks that are really good. It's just like I can definitely identify that Gardevoir is the better deck than any other deck in the format. So it should be in its own tier. Um, and then even when I like with my with my tier list I did this week, I put like Chi and Pao and Maridon, I think, in tier three. But I don't think Chi, Chi and Pao or Maridon are like that much worse than the the decks above them in tier two. It's like they're just like they're definitely worse than those overall. But not by a whole ton. I think they're still solid. I think if you've been playing Chi and Pao and Maridon up to this point, um, or maybe I put them in tier four. Um, but even then, even if I put them in tier four, if you've been playing Chi and Pao and Maridon up to this point, then you should still play Chi and Pao and Maridon. Um, the only thing I wouldn't touch is a deck that I put in like tier five, which I think in my tier five was Single Strike Lugia, Fusion Mew, or just Mew in general, and and Palkia. I wouldn't play any of those. But yeah, if, if I had I had Chi and Pao and Maridon in tier four on my tier list, but it's like the 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 meta is like so close in terms of like the 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 point difference in like a tier one deck to a tier four deck is like not that far so like um this is definitely not one of those metas where there's some decks that are need like a little bit more of a perfect meta there's not as many meta swings going not as many jurassic meta swings you know yeah so for gardevoir right now i mean i feel like it's the deck it, it kind of reminds me not because of how it plays, because it's pretty different in how it plays to this deck I'm going to compare it to, but just, like, its place in the meta feels similar to this deck. Um, and that's Maxi's Evil Tall way back in, like, 2016 timeframe, where it was the best deck in Expanded, but it wasn't the best deck because it just stomped a bunch of other decks. It was the best deck because you had a lot of options, and it was just solidly 50-50, if not slightly favored, um yeah, tragedies against everything. a lot of stuff right it was it, it it was not worse than 50 50 against basically anything um and it has a very high had a very high skill ceiling right mm -hmm. i feel like gardevoir is that deck in this format you know yeah. it's 50 50 ish if not a little better against pretty much everything has a high skill tough, ceiling right? uh yeah rapid strike is definitely its worst matchup of like what's we've got listed here but like yeah. um you know i mean even stuff like you know lost box definitely a 50 50 matchup right and that's like one of the yeah. other more popular decks yeah and that's like one that's a little bit skewed a lot of people think lost box is like really good into guardy but if you play against a good guardy player it's like 50 50 like <laughs> yeah and you can even go as far as like adding some league hqs in there and then things start to get tough for the lost lost box player when the league hqs and the iona start hitting i mean we saw that in brazil stabilize. right gustavo played two league yeah. hq in his list right <laughs> yeah that's different yeah gustavo was trying to beat gustavo made a I guess at, at the end of the day, a poor meta prediction. Unless uh, Gustavo was trying to stop the Charmanders from hitting for 30 damage turn one. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm was sure big. there was still plenty of Lost Box in the room. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course. <laughs> it is good against Tina as well, because sometimes Tina's win condition is to use a Sableye to close out the game and not... Right. Or to use a Sableye instead of a Tina to close out the game. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, two League, league HQs. Well, I mean, to be honest, a Charmander using Ember to return KO a Shiny Arcana Guard is kind of annoying. So, Iono 
HQ, Shiny Icon and Knockout. The, or Don't got to worry about Ember that for this event anymore, though, right? You should still be playing one, I think. You should still be playing 160 HP for the Guardian matchup to be able to go yeah, fair. Charmander Fire, like Return Knockout. Uh, that's the, that's another thing. We, we haven't talked about like list specifics yet, but I feel yeah. like in formats where you have an evolution Pokemon and there's like multiple decent evolving basics, the correct optimal play ha almost has to be playing a split of some sort right i mean we've seen that in gardevoir yeah. everyone plays one of the 60 hp ralts just so you have the option to memory skip some people even play the scarlet and violet so I mean, i've seen like the yeah, yeah, yeah i've one seen that split. too yeah i don't know if that's good but yeah um for like the charizard deck i like the uh the two one one split because there's the i have them right here there's a 70 hp charmander that takes that for two fire energy does 40 damage with ember so you can play one of those for the ember for 40 because uh, it has like more one... HP is the thing too. Yeah. It's got the 70 HP one retreat cost, and there's the the one that just came out of 151 that has 70 HP one retreat cost, and then its first attack discards a stadium, second attack does 30 for two fire. Oh, you're and talking there's... about the promo too. Yeah, the promo one, and then there's the the 60 HP one that everyone was playing before 151 came out that uh, does 30 for one fire, and the 30 for one fire is like good against is like actually good against Gardevoir because if they use a shiny Arcana to like fully load a shiny Arcana and KO a Charizard, then you can respond with uh, the one energy 30 punch and send up a one prize for a turn. So um, I think you should be playing at least one of them for the Guardian matchup. And I think probably the all optimal split is a two, one, one split. So um, then like people for Pidgeys, there's a little, I mean, and the, the reason you'd not want to play the lower HP Pokemon is like when there's actual threats, like turn one, like usually in the past, it was like, Oh, does my opponent have an attack turn one that can do 60 damage and they can do it often. Okay. Yes, they can. Okay. I'm going to play 70 HP basics instead. Right. Um, for right now, people are looking at Sableye, and like people are using Sableye as a reason to not play the 50 HP Pidgey, but the 50 HP Pidgey is so good. It has call for family. Like, that's so good. And my argument against not playing the 50 HP Pidgey is like, if you don't turn to Candy Out, your Pidgeot, and you just don't have a Pidgeot in play, you're going to lose anyways. And if you're not getting a turn to Pidgeot, they're still going to Sableye your 60 HP Pidgey or your 50 HP Pidgey. Like, the Charizard deck literally falls apart without a Pidgeot. So it doesn't matter if you're playing a 50 HP or a 60 HP Pidgey. Sableye KOs one or the other, but now you actually you, you're 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 playing the game through having a Pidgeot in play, not a Pidgey. So I mean, you may as well take advantage of Call for Family. I feel like I feel like Call for Family like this on a card like this is just too good, especially when you don't care where your energy attachment for turn goes like at all, yeah. right? Just traditionally been like one of the best attacks on an evolving basic, right? Yeah, I could not fathom not playing the Pidgey. Like, yeah, <laughs> you're trying to get turn two Candy Pidgeot, like. They get the if they have the Sableye KO, whether it has 50 or 60 HP, whether they get the KO a Pidgey and a Charmander alongside it, you're losing because you don't have Pidgeot. So I mean, maybe the discussion could be though, like the discussion maybe could be, you know, I mean, in the instance that you're using Call for Family with this Pidgey, right? You're putting your Pidgey in harm's way. You do need Pidgeot, like you mentioned. So another Pidgey. Yeah, so you put two in play, and then now what if they do something to like get around your Pidgeys, right? Like snipe Charmanders or something on the bench. Now you've got this, you know, thing that's going to be stuck in play, right? I mean, if that's the outcome, you lose anyways because they crammed your one lone Pidgey, right? So either you get to play the game because yeah. you got your Pidgeot out and now you have to like, you do have to like let them give a give up this Pidgey at some point or you don't get to play the game because, because you got nothing out because you yeah, did you got damage nothing with gnaw yeah or yeah <laughs> or like you re retreated to the mew and now you have a mew in play that they can take advantage of later sorry um, gust yeah 
uh or you yeah or you retreat to mew for the turn and now like you use mew to like maybe find a vip pass versus just getting two pokemon guaranteed i don't know i just don't see i don't think it's a good enough argument i think if they're getting sableye ko on your pidgey you've lost the game anyways before you get to the pidgeot so like uh you may as well just go ahead and play the the 50 hp pidgey so that way in every other matchup and even up against lost box you can take advantage of the call for family so i don't know why pk gaming cards is like broken tonight it just won't let me like use the normal beats, grid scroll. yeah i don't know is there's like some well it happened to me too so there's nothing there's no setting you hit that i didn't hit no. that is weird they must be doing maintenance or something like that yeah and generally splits are unless there's like one that is like so much better than the other splits are usually optimal to have all the options and then just if you do play the splits though like just some advice out there you do want to figure out in each matchup which one do you bench yeah. first to evolve first and which one do you save so if you go, go up against Gardevoir, you bench your 70 hp charmanders usually first to save the 60 hp one so that one can ko shiny arcana later stuff like that you want to figure out what is the correct way to bench your different basics right, we're just gonna have up. to use good old limitless i think <laughs> all right sounds good to me um but yeah for sure i mean that's yeah you need to know in what matchup which ones need to evolve first. And that's always something you, you want to have that figured out before you get to the tournament as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So just go through the matchups and be like, <laughs> yeah. okay, which one is like, and it can just be like theoretical, like one in a thousand, but if that one in a thousand comes up in the game, you play in the tournament, you want to make sure you didn't bench your There's always an promo Ember choice. Charmander. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, so before we talk any more about other decks, just one, like one kind of like general thing, you know, we are, I think, across the board expecting Charizard to be reasonably popular at this event. Yeah. I think it's probably going to be around 10%, right? Somewhere in there. Um, is it worth trying to, like, fit some tech in your deck for Charizard? So if you're playing, like, Single Strike Lugia, do you play the Cobalion in your deck, for example? If you are playing Lost Box, do you try to fit in Atropius or a Shaman V, like, some way to deal a lot of damage to the Charizard EX? Like, is this a matchup, you know, after seeing its result in Latin America, if your deck can make space for a tech, is Charizard the deck to tech for? Um, I mean, the first question is, like, how good is your matchup against Charizard? Like, I think for Single Strike Lugia, I would definitely play Cobalion because your matchup yeah. is bad. And you turn from bad, to be honest, I think you're still unfavored even with the Cobalion. So, but I would still tech it if you're going to, if you're set on playing you Single Strike a, Lugia. Give yourself a chance, a realistic yeah, enough it goes chance. From, yeah, it goes from not going to ever have a chance to having a chance. So, I would play the Cobalion um, if I was playing, if I was set on playing Single Strike Lugia. Now, if, if I was flexible, I would just switch to Colorless Lugia because I think that deck's Charizard matchup is just fine, probably like 50 50. Um, and then you look at other stuff like the Tina V-Star deck. I don't think you need a tech for Charizard. You're already favored. Lost Box, if you feel like... Now, my, my current impression is that Lost Box is fine against Charizard, probably about a 50-50. Um, but if you feel like it's that unfavored, um, or it is unfavored, then I would tech in uh, something that feels reasonable to make it up to a 50-50 if you tech can like, tech one card. Um, but if you feel like it's favorable, I definitely would never include anything. Unless you expect a Charizard to be like 20% of the meta. But I don't think, yeah. I think the highs will be 12, right? I think the highs for Charizard would be 12. So, yeah, like, so if it's a 10%er, if you're, if you're fine with your matchup against it, I would never tech for something you're fine with. Now, if it goes from unlosable to having a chance like the single strike Lugia and you're just like set on playing that deck, then, uh, I would throw that, throw that tech card in. And the same thing with Maridon. I think Maridon's a switch to, the path. path build. I think you got to yeah. bring the path, but you're not beating Charizard without paths at the peak. You're getting destroyed. Like if you bring the path back, though, I think the matchup is pretty like path judge from a ride on. That is hard for Charizard to deal with. You hit him with the path judge plus attack. Charizard is, does not like that. What if, if that's trying the way to get, for Mew? Wait for bring the path judge back. I mean, 
DT Mew Path. They have so much time, bro. They hit you with a call for family for turning your so just like I'm screwed, bro. They have so many little <laughs> dudes to go through. All right, Path Judge Luxray. We're still calling for family though. Hey, Luxray does damage. <laughs> KO's the Pidgey. <laughs> no more getting it the fam. 50 HP. You know? Yeah, it does work. Um, I, no, I mean, it does maybe, it because DTE, DTE minus. I mean, Charizard is like yeah. that That combo. Like, Path Judge is really hard for Charizard X to deal with. If that gets you to like a 50-50, it would be, it would be feel like a bad matchup. Um, it'd feel like one of those really terrible matchups because like the whole time Charizard's still in the game. If they get the candy Charizard next turn, you just lose. Um. But theoretically, that's that's like one of those matchups where it could be a 50-50, but it just feels terrible the whole time. Because when they beat you, they blow you out of the water with like a bump stadium candy Charizard. And even when you're winning and the games you win, it's like they're just a candy Charizard away from beating me. So um, it's probably not good enough, but it is really good. That's, yeah, like I said, but right on, I think you got to switch it up. You got to go back to the paths for sure to give yourself a, a decent, shot, decent shot against the Charizard because I just don't see how you beat it without path. I don't think it's possible. So our next Especially deck, with like uh... the... I was gonna say, especially with the vacuum build, because they can even like, if even if you get the Maraid on with a Bravery Charm, if you draw two prize cards, they just punch it and they'll get the vacuum later yeah. against a Raikou or whatever it's called. They just get the vacuum later and then they're chilling. So our next deck up, one that you have plenty of experience with, and that's a Lost Box. It won Pittsburgh with the Kyogre build by Andrew Estrada, and it was the second most popular deck in day one, uh, and then was the most popular deck in day two of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Lost Box does have a pretty tough Charizard matchup. I think does it? Kind of the, I'm actually the... not sure. I is that the consensus kind of? Three thirty is a lot of HP. It's a lot. I mean, but, but people play fifty HP pitches. It's a free dub at that point, right? <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Literally saying the opposite of what he just said. Um, I don't know if it is a bad matchup. Then that yeah, I, I'm a little bit inexperienced on that one. Let's think. Um, let's just think about it, right? Like a lot of HP. Yeah, I mean, let's say you go. Turn one. You go first. Is you go first is Charizard. You get yeah. Charmander. You start a Charmander. You venture Charmander. Pidgey Manaphy. Okay. Lost Box goes. Does their thing. They play an Escape Rope. You probably just push the Manaphy. Manaphy. They, yeah. They Cramorant KO it. Okay. You get turn two Pidgeot. Turn two one of your Charizards in play. Okay. Yeah. You've got one Charmander on the bench. You take a prize on the Cramorant. You've got three thirty HP Charizard. You've got 280 HP Pidgeot. You know, what's the Lost Box play here? You know, Cramorant, back, rope, KO the Charmander, something like that. Stable. Try and save a uh, probably. Try to do some damage to, like, just across the board, right? Yeah. Then you get your next Charizard in play. Whatever damage you did is not going to be enough for you to get a KO this turn, most likely. Uh, I, I mean, think, I guess you, I could, think... you could set up for Dragonite, right? I think as Charizard, you probably try and use Entei in that matchup early anyways. Because, like, one of the things that the... The Lost Box is gonna do. It. Will you have the penny if you're do if you're copying that list? Also, like the Lost Cities in the list from Brazil as well are like annoying to deal with as well, right? Um, but I think it's just because like it can be hard to set up that next Charizard, right? Because they're gonna spawn trap your Charmanders. Um, you could try and bench double Charmander on a turn, but then you're you you can just get Greninja'd. Um, another thing that the the Charizard deck can do is they can go boss Lost City on the Greninja and then bench double Charmander that turn if you can build up to that kind of hand. But I think the biggest also problem. The biggest Iono problem is like in the Charizard deck is good against Lost Box as well because like you yeah. are trying to like piece together your prizes when you can. It's not like you can set up scenarios like with Kyogre for example where you're trying to take all four of your prizes in one turn so you don't yeah. get Iono to less than four. Like you're gonna get Iono to less than four in that matchup for sure. Yeah, the the thing is for sure is that they can just Sableye. if they if you go bench Charmander they go Sableye, put the rest of the damage on the Charizard. 
then Charmander, Sableye, put the rest of the damage on Charizard. They will theoretically eventually win the game, right? Because either you stop benching Charmanders and they go, okay, Dragonite knockout, or you just sit there until I win by KO in a one prize every single turn until eventually I KO your Charizard. So I think yeah, Entei Charizard in the early has been game, the aggressor in this instance, right? Oh, that's if they go. Well, no, 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 because Charizard goes first and I got the turn oh, yeah, knockout with Cram, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I think you have to open up with Entei. And that's why like, one of the reasons I think Entei is really good in the deck is because like if they respond to your Entei with a Dragonite, then your Charizard KOs that, and now your Ionos are hitting a harder, earlier, sooner, um, and you can start to like scale and take the rest of the game from there. And then Pidgeot does become like a closer eventually as well, right? Like if they yeah, eventually get through your Charizard, attacker, yeah, yeah. If they get through your Charizard with like Triple Sableye or something, then you can eventually go, okay, Pidgeot, Pidgeot for my last prize card on like a Comfy or something. So I think Entei early, Entei early, so they can't just sit there and like eventually KO the Charizard is important. Well, you also do have the Radiance Art that does come into play. It's got 160 HP, a little bit annoying to knock out as a one prize, and you can eventually use that as the Charizard deck as well. So I, I could see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually not sure. Like I said, I don't know what who's favored in that matchup. Charizard you know favored. what radiant Pokemon I like in Charizard? Serena? Serena. Why? <laughs> For this matchup. I thought we were already favored. You just said we were favored. We I think it is favored. Now? I think it is favored. Radiant Charizard's pretty good. It's I don't popular know. enough as well. And I don't think Radiant Charizard is that good. I think the part that makes good Radiant Charizard Maridon. good is in games that you want to not have to make a third Charizard EX. It gives you like the big hitter that doesn't force yeah. you to make a third Charizard EX. Because uh, it can be hard to, to make that third one if you, you know, you made, um, you know, Pidgeot, Charizard, Charizard. Getting yeah. that third one can be a little bit of a stretch sometimes, right? Yeah, like against like Maridon, Chi, and Pao. And then even Lost Tino, because with the choice belt, you can clean up a... a Charizard is definitely... Game. Radiant Charizard is definitely good against like the Maridons and Lugias yeah. and stuff like that. But... Um, the one prize that I can guarantee... I like, think you're good. You're favored right. in those matchups without the Charizard, right? That's possible. I haven't seen... Yeah, it's possible. It's I just possible. Maybe I'm kind of stuck on it from the, the one stream game that we had in Pittsburgh of um of charizard that guy played radiant serena in his deck and it like it won him the lost box matchup that game <laughs> you you watched it right you vod reviewed it yeah i think i did yeah 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 i mean that's true but yeah i don't think it's if it's already favored i wouldn't play the serena i'd play the charizard to have more diversity i wonder if you deck. can make it matter in the mirror match too serena's probably not enough healing for it to matter in the mirror match i well, thought about something um, like cheryl as a tech for the mirror match i could see like being decent because the mirror seems kind of like <laughs> kind of ridiculous of just like I feel like in the mirror match, both players are going to have there's going to be a turn where both players have like 400 damage in play. Yeah, people are retreating. Playing a switch card, honestly, might be a pretty good tech for the mirror, because then when they take the hit, you can switch but not lose the energy on your Charizard. So you could use mm -hmm. it later, possibly. So that could even be like a solid tech second super rod. So you can get more energy back to just like switch a harder tree between your Charizard. I wonder if well, something like good. Cook would be enough healing, something like that. Probably Cheryl is just better. Yeah, I don't think we're cooking. If you had like Cook plus Serena, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think you're overcooking the deck. I'm overcooking it with here. the cook. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a lot of stuff. I think you just have to, I think being consistent is also key as well. Cause you of actually, course. the more I've seen the matchup play out, I think actually getting that first one prize knockout gives you the edge. Cause you can just boss another one prizer at some point to like even that out. And you don't really mind going down to the one prizer at the end of the game potentially. So, um, yeah, it's not that big of a deal to like draw the one prize, but I think people are making it out to be like a big deal in the uh, Charizard mirrors early on. In the meta, but the the more I've seen like the the mirror match kind of develop and the decks develop, it doesn't seem that bad. Um, so we got a couple Lugia variants here. You've already mentioned that you like colorless Lugia and really dislike single strike Lugia. Why is that? Yeah, 
It's just the Charizard matchup. So I just don't want an unfavorable Charizard matchup. I don't know why we'd ever want that. Uh, and the single strike one just struggles so hard. There's like no reason to. Yeah, it's like really, really bad. Like I wouldn't want to. I would want to try and avoid an unfavorable matchup against any of like the ten percenters. Um, if it was like slightly unfavorable, it wouldn't be as bad. But it feels awful. Literally awful matchup. So maybe give up on single strike. But Carlos Luke is there to pick up the pick up the slack for sure. I think it's like literally just like slots into its place in terms of the meta um, uh, and takes over. And I think it is the Mew brought a lot to the deck for sure. The Mew definitely brought a lot to the deck for sure. Copying the Greninja attack against Lostina, you can copy Lostina. Against a single strike build, you can use it to copy and KO a T-Tar, so you still have the, the back and forth of the T-Tar potentially, so it does a lot for the deck, and uh, I think brings it to being a, uh, a a contender now, for sure. I think it will be more popular than single strike at the at the tournament. Yeah, I was trying to pull... I remember what seeing are you a looking for? colorless lug list from Hedrick at one of these tournaments. I was trying to see it's if I last, could find it. The last late, it's that is that one. It's in the last late night, I think. Okay. Oh, this is an older late Andings. night. Oh, you're struggling here, Chip. I know, I really am. Um, Completed. But yeah, I mean, it, like a you know, was, I'm still going to find this list, but um, you know, Hedrick played colorless Lugia, and you know, he's been one of the the biggest advocates proponents i guess of Lugia one of the big, best players of single strike lugia um yeah. since it came out yeah just got what top eight or top four at yeah top Pittsburgh. Four. yeah then was rocking the colors build in the late night here um how are you struggling this is just no way he just there it is there it is make... no that's not it <laughs> there's two late was it? it was they top like two six, every week it was top 16 i think is i remember I seeing it. okay he got there 16th. you go i found it i found it there you go yeah so rocking the colorless <laughs> lug uh going with the charizard and the weird deer everyone has the weird deer in there i feel like i never use the weird deer i don't have it in my build currently i haven't been rocking the weird deer i feel like how, wait, what, how are you beating charizard without the weird deer you just punch him with snorlax over and over again and then me one hit kills the charizard at the end of the game I don't know. You don't Just like swing, being yeah. aggressive with the weird ear? It takes so much energy to be aggressive. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess you do force him to you KO. You pull it, so... so many. It only takes two turns of having Archeops in play to do that. No, Well, yeah, but do you have any energy left to play the game is the question. That's like the question afterwards, right? Yeah. You go weird ear knockout yeah, and they you go. You play so many energy. What do you mean? You play a gajillion energy and you have how much four damage, double turbo energy. How much damage do you do, need to do to do 330? All I know is that I <laughs> was playing some of the Charizard deck on uh, TCG Live, and I turned two, got my Charizard in play, and hit the Lugia that attacked me and like knocked something else out the last turn, right? Huh? I had four energies on it. Sure. Uh, and then that turn, my Charizard died. That's all I know. Okay, and then what if you went Candy Zard and then KO'd the Weird Air? I think you'd be okay. Yeah, then they smack me with uh, Snorlax, you know? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying I don't think you need that weird ear punch to like win the prize trade. Um, yeah, maybe not. I, don't, I feel like it doesn't like, and also like specifically one thing I don't like about Hedrick's list. I that like having have a nuke on, but... in Lugia. You know, something that can just yeah. come in and clear the board, clear whatever your opponent's active is. Tyranitar can do that, right? Tyranitar can clear almost everything. It can't clear Charizard unless you've got the Cobalion in your list, right? Yeah, but uh, I like having something that no matter what your opponent's got in the active, it can go down. 
I, mean, I don't dislike the weird ear, but I feel like you have that through other Pokemon. Like the Mew can do it against Charizard EX. Drapion does that against Mew EX. In very EX, specific situations. Or Gardevoir EX. Or Mew Max or Gardevoir EX, right? Yeah, sure. sure. I feel like you have those options still. But we see a Hedrick here not playing the Drapion. Pretty yeah, no common card in the list. But it might be because, like, the weird ear, like you're about to say, like, it accomplishes the, that in those matchups, right? So I mean, like, that's not... I think Gardevoir would love it if you used the Weird Deer against them. I think they'd be well, all sure. they'd be all down for that. Well, it's got to be at the end of the game, right? Yeah, but they're trying to go like turn two Guardi X swing, and if you don't have the Drapion response, you just lose if they mm -hmm. go for that play. Um, of course, they probably play as if you have the Drapion, so maybe then that's the the mind games. But this is open deckless online tournament, so that's not a possibility. Sure. Um, also, I don't know how how concerned Hedrick is in for Gardevoir in the online tournament, but um, yeah, I'm not sure. But, he only played against one Charizard and beat it. Yeah. Got the weird ear. Got the weird ear. <laughs> Lost to the guard for though. Bodhi took him out. Yeah, Bodhi took him down. <laughs> uh, and insurance against Mew doesn't hurt either, right? I think you're unfavored without the Drapion if you go up against Mew, that's for sure. It's going to be tough if you can't KO Yeah, next. no, for well, sure. Well, you I can mean, with a weird Dra ear. Drapion I... is just, yeah, dude. I mean, Drapion yeah. is just like the counter card of all counter cards <laughs> that have ever existed. So, yeah, of course, <laughs> you're going to wish you had it if you go up against a Mew. I'm just saying, like, I'm just stating facts. I'm saying you're going to wish it. If you go up against a Mew, you're going to wish you had it. That's all yeah. I'm saying. He um, did lose to uh, a Mew, so. He beat a couple of other Mews, though. Yeah, yeah. Um. You want to spend any time ride on, ride on? We already talked about yeah. Intellian a little bit. Yeah, I like Rapid Strike, but yeah, I think that kind of covers most of the decks to talk about. The one that the, I think the only one to mention that's not on here is Chi and Pao, right? Is there any other deck that's not on here? No. It's worth mentioning. Oh, it's just the Chi and Pao, right? Well, Chi and Pao did. Wait, Mew's get... not on that. Eight, oh, no, Mew's it? not on there either. Yep. All right, what do you, I mean, Mew, I'm not. You, talk, you already said Mew. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, true, we, we, are... we talked about it. It's just. Um... Charizard. <laughs> Charizard, yeah, it's too much. Yeah, just Charizard. All right, Mew, let's get a couple. Uh, uh, Chi and Pao oh, did just win, uh, like 160 person event tonight. There we go, and it's like that. It's the same list, the turbo list, right? Everyone's playing that turbo list. I think yeah. it's good. It was. It's, it's uh, definitely solid. Benny Billinger. I'm still not a huge. Like, I just don't think like the way people describe the Chi and Pao deck is that it's just like a, a high roll deck or it's inconsistent. But I feel like that's just such a bad way to describe decks. Like inconsistency is just like part of your win rate. Like the deck, I feel like the deck's just power level. I've been using the term power level recently. I feel like it's just the deck's not powerful. That's not true. It has powerful, having powerful options doesn't matter. I just don't think its win rate is that high in the meta. That's what I should say. Because you don't have to have powerful options to have a high win rate either. Um, I remember before the NAIC that I won, <laughs> Kid was like, bro, how can we play an Arceus Flying Pikachu deck? It caps at 200 damage. How do you ever beat anything <laughs> only doing 200 damage a turn? <laughs> um he said that pre-Milwaukee, I think, when we played it at Milwaukee and then played it at NAIC the outro. It, power doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is win rate. I just feel like Chi and Pao doesn't have it there. But not to the point where if like you haven't been grinding Chi and Pao, you shouldn't play it. Like I think that's like another thing to make clear when me and Chip are like talking about these decks. Like if you've been grinding Chi and Pao, listen, maybe you just don't agree with our opinion as well, which is fine. But if you are taking our opinion to heart here or including it into your like analysis of what you want to play, if you've been grinding Chi and Pao the last two weeks to play it at Peoria, you should play Chi and Pao. Like the deck's not bad. And the biggest difference, like I've been saying this a lot recently because I think it is so true. The number one factor for anyone's success at a tournament is how they play on the day of the tournament. Yes. Not what they're playing. Yes. Right? There's a lot of times I'll point out people like decks that I think are bad that make top eights or even win terms. I'm like, that's a bad deck. I think a good example, and I think Drew would tell you this himself, the first regional post-COVID when Drew won with Arceus Gengar B-Barrel, 
that deck was bad. <laughs> no, dude, Drew would not say that deck what? was bad. Drew would. You don't know Drew if you think he's going <laughs> to tell you that deck is bad, dude. <laughs> that deck was bad, but Drew still won, and it's not because Drew is playing a good deck. It's because Drew played well, and that's all that mattered. Drew picked sure. up, and, and 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 that deck wasn't like truly terrible. It was just like compared to what else you could play, it was like a tier four deck probably, right? But Drew played well, and played a not truly awful deck. You know, it wasn't a truly awful deck. It was just like. Compared to the other decks you could be playing, to be honest, this deck's not great. Um, but Drew played well and then did well. Like so, Chi and Pow, me and me and Chip saying, eh, we're not big fans of Chi and Pow. Now, one thing you could just disagree and think it's better than we think it is, which is fine. Or you could just be like, well, but or what we would tell you is like, what matters on the day of the tournament is just how you play. So if you're most practiced and prepped with Chi and Pow, if you switch to, I don't know, we say Guardvor is S tier deck. If you switch to Guardvor, you're probably gonna end up with a worse placement than if you just play Chi and Pow. So you should play Chi and Pow. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if a GM Pow won the tournament or made top eight at it either. So it's like, you know, yeah, play what you know, um, but don't uh, play what you know, but only to up to a certain extent. Like, don't play Mew. <laughs> I guess it'd be like my one thing is don't play Mew at this one. But besides that, if you've been practicing, you should rock it. All right, well, let's make a couple predictions and then we'll get out of here into our bonus episode over on Patreon. We do still have that. 30-minute Patreon-exclusive bonus episode that we'll be doing immediately after this regular episode concludes. Uh, so, yeah, a couple predictions here. Azul, what deck do you predict will win the Peoria Regional Championships? Ooh, that's a, I'm going to go, because it's, like, one of my favorite decks right now. Colorless Lugia. I'm going to go with Colorless Lugia. It's one of my favorite decks right now. I'm a big fan of Colorless Lugia. I really enjoy playing that one, so I'm going to go Colorless Lugia. I'm going to go with Gardevoir for this one. Um, that's the one you went with for Kurachiba. I went with Lost yeah. Box, but I'm feeling like Gardevoir doesn't have a bad Charizard matchup. I think a lot of people just look at the typing and think like, oh yeah, how does Gardevoir ever beat this? But Gardevoir, especially <laughs> like if you're playing the cordless double reversal energy, like you definitely are de solid against the Charizard deck. Yeah, we're not attacking with like back to back to back uh, Guardi EXs. <laughs> yeah, the, the typing just does not <laughs> yeah, matter. Yeah. 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 We're not sitting there and attacking with Guardi EXs. We are attacking with Shiny Arcana, which has 140 HP yeah. and literally gets KO'd by everything in the format. So Yeah, and uh, puts 120 damage on itself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it has 2 HP remaining when it's attacking. Yeah. It doesn't matter what they're attacking with. It gets it KO'd to the that. 60 HP Pidgey, bro. Yeah, That's the reason to play 60 <laughs> HP Pidgey in your Charizard deck. How much does the 50 up. HP one swing for? Hold up, hold up, hold up. But it costs an extra energy. Yeah, the tackle for two. Yep. You still get there, but yeah, true, true. Maybe a one-one split. Then we were hyping up splitting one-one split. One call for family. One gust. Yeah, call for family. Those maybe a slight uh, exception to that. You know, yeah. optimal split. <laughs> I think so. I it's think so. If we have the sixty HP Charmander to cover the to cover the shiny Arcana KO, I think we'll be okay. We'll All be right, okay I'm picking Gardevoir. Sure. Azul's picking Colorless Lugia. Highest placing Charizard for the event. So obviously, just one Kurachiba. Pretty hyped up coming into this event. We all think it's going to be pretty popular. Um, but maybe has a little bit of a target on its back, right? I mean, it's like more Definitely. on people's radar than it was for like Pittsburgh, Barcelona, or Curitiba, right? So yeah. does that affect its placement? I'm still going to give it a top eight finish personally. I think it definitely will. So I'm going to give it a top 16 because I think it's like proven to be a solid deck no matter what. But I think we're going to have Maridon's playing path. We're going to have uh, maybe some grass attackers in the Lost Zone decks. Uh, Lost Cena's not going anywhere. So I think a top 16, I don't think it's going to quite be able to squeak out that uh, that top eight. 
And then the last one, our last prediction is a non North American player that you think can make top eight. I don't. Are we predicting we don't can know make, for or are we sure whether they will or won't. I thought we we're gonna predict whether or not there will be one in top eight. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, my bad. Yeah, I just didn't write that down here. So, yeah, will a non North American player make it into top eight? Uh, is the question. You know, more prizing on the line. A lot more people are being willing to travel over from Europe or travel from other parts of the world, Latin America, and all that to these events. What do you think, Azul? I'm gonna go with no. Uh, but my reason is just going to be because Canada has just been too strong lately. They've been uh, Canada's been dubs. carrying an A, to be honest. Yeah, getting dubs and top eights. Um, so yeah, we're going to go ahead and say that uh, if America can't quite keep the uh, the foreigners out of top eight, Canada's going to come through and and take care of them for us. So between between America and Canada, it should be no problem. Yeah, no foreigners are going to be in top eight for this one for sure. So. Is this right? What's wrong with this? I don't know. What are you looking at? <laughs> I'm looking at the Poke Data thing. I was looking at Pittsburgh to see how many EU player. players were. Oh. <laughs> but for some reason on Poke Data, the e the flag under EU is the Canadian flag. <laughs> I mean, they are they speak French. Let's <laughs> lock it in. Let's go. Some people. So right, yeah, that's... there's just looking at this information, there was a decent amount of, you know, out of country players what did you predict what did you say no you said no i'm gonna go with yes uh i think Tord is gonna be there so that's a pretty good <laughs> i think Tord's gonna be there i think brent is brent probably Tonneson. gonna be there right yeah according to brent's twitter brent tonison will be there as well so i think yeah top uh non-north american player in top eight i mean that's um, like the best i would say like best Tord, european player uh, and then Tord argument did for win this event player. last year by the way Tord won this event that's so true. maybe looking to defend the title I mean, how many how many are you going to give to Tord with that? Because Tord also won the first North American regional last year, and that was Pittsburgh this year. Was, was that the same thing? No, you... he didn't win the first North American. Piper won the first North American regional last year. Piper won Baltimore. Oh, was it not Peoria? Am I trolling? Nope. Oh, I guess I am trolling. Never mind. I yeah. thought it was. <laughs> it was Baltimore because remember, Baltimore was the same format as Worlds. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. Tord won the second. North yeah. American regional, which is because it was the first one with the lost one. zone with lost. All right, things are lining up worse than I thought. All right. We gotta come prepared. <laughs> Look out! Do you think Tord will run it back with Sables? Are just roll up, just like just... <laughs> with cross switchers? Yeah, just do it all over Four again. Path again or whatever. I don't He's know about prepped, that, but prepped for the Empoleon V. Clefki, <laughs> right. Alakazam, Clefki, gotta shut him down. Oh, the path doesn't shut them down anymore. I don't even know what you'd use. All right, uh, Silent Lab, obviously. <laughs> So you can totally use your comfy while Silent Labs. All right. I know you play Silent Lab and Lunatone Soul Rock. How's that interaction Ooh. work? How's that interaction work, Azul? Well, Silent Lab... <laughs> Silent Lab was in play first. You could have... Put... Well, well, how do you know it was in play first? You how are you assuming what's in play? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, well, if you benched... Man, that's actually I don't know. What is the how does it how do you it do probably you know the is what came into play first? It's almost definitely yeah. what came into play first. Well, if Silent Lab came in play afterwards, would it shut them down or no? No, right? No. The Lunatone yeah. Sword. If Silent Lab was in play, but I don't know if it would. No, so if Silent Lab was in play and you bench the Lunatone first, if you mess up your sequencing, you definitely get locked out, right? You definitely have to bench Lunatone after Soul Rock. If you bench Lunatone in play, Silent Lab would shut it off, and then Soul Rock would come into play, and then it couldn't be active. 
Dude, we're not off. thinking about this right now. All right, set us out, Chip. <laughs> Take us home. Let us know in the comment section down below. Jake, if you're listening to this, how does it work? <laughs> and then go tweet about it so you can annoy Puka. Um, <laughs> all right, send us out, Chip. All right. Thanks so much to everyone for listening and for your support. As always, if you want to show us any extra support, feel free to do so by dropping a comment, leaving a like if you're watching here on YouTube, or if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave us a review, a rating, any of those things. It takes literally just a second. If you are listening on Spotify, it literally takes a tenth of a second to leave a, a rating. So any of that uh, goes a long way to... Uh, I don't think I've ever left a rating that fast before. I don't know. Okay, maybe not a tenth of a second. It takes one second to leave a rating. Two seconds, yeah. Ta- two how about this? Leave a rating and time yourself. Let us know. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> yeah, let us know in like the review. That's our way how to scam extra ratings. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, thanks a bunch for the support as always, everyone. And if you want to stay up to date with us, the best place to do it is over on the website formerly known as Twitter. You can follow myself at Chip Ritchie Azul at Azul underscore GG. And you can stay up to date with the podcast as well at Uncommon underscore Energy. Yeah, appreciate the support as always. Catch y'all next week. We will be at with a Wednesday episode next week because I get back late on Monday. So see y'all again on Wednesday and then see some of you in just a bit over at the bonus episode on the Patreon. Peace.